Hello and welcome to the 250, your fortnightly podcast. Look at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time, and sometimes the bottom 100 as well, and sometimes movies that have never been and will never be on the podcast, or on the list, it will be on the podcast. I'm your host, Darren Mooney, and we're off to a fantastic start, and joining me as always is my co-host, Andrew Quinn. How are you, Andrew? I'm very good, Darren. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, to covering... Um, this movie that we're going to be speaking of this uh it, and it, it it's i haven't seen it before and i've always wondered why they didn't make more of them yeah that that's the thing i think i think like it's it's interesting that we're doing I this hear today. a lot about it yeah i mean you we did well, this came up in conversation with the one of the guests that we have today the fantastic charlene Lydon. how are you charlene good hello thanks for having me back our our pleasure and we're joined by a first-time guest the wonderful bren murphy how are you bren I'm good. How are you? I, th- thank you for asking. I'm I'm very good. <laughs> um, we are talking today about Tom Holland's 1988 Child's Play movie, the first movie uh, in the Chucky franchise. Uh, it is April Fool's Day today. It is, I believe, Andrew wanted to call it Law R. Chucky, um, perhaps controversially. Um, that was not cleared with our guests before they agreed to come on. So if anybody's angry about that, blame us and not them. Um, so on board. <laughs> I'm on board. We're on board with that, yeah. Um, I think uh, the original pitch was Chucky or Law, and I was like, no. No, no. we were like, Law, no. That's... Law or Chucky is okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Socially acceptable. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, this this came up in conversation. I remember, I think we were talking about it was Some Like It Hot, and at the end of that discussion, Charlene recommended the Chucky TV show. Uh, she said that she was having a great time watching it, and during that conversation, it kind of emerged that Andrew has always had a real soft spot for Chucky. So over a course of conversations, convincing Charlene to come on the show with us, we thought that, look, it's April Fool's Day. We'll make one exception, just one exception, a single, sole, solitary exception, and talk about the first episode, the first movie in the Chucky Child's Play franchise. No more. We're certainly not going to talk about any more of them, and we're certainly not going to do it later on today. That would be insane. So we're just going to talk today about Child's Play, and I want to ask... Andrew, before we talk to Charlene and before we talk to Bren, what was it about Chucky that was like, he's my guy? He's a puppet. <laughs> um, I think like puppets make things better. You can take a mediocre sitcom and add puppets to it and it'll delight me. And similarly, like you can, you can um, take a horror movie me and add and add a puppet to it um i'll enjoy it and and there's something like like i i, I this is the first time i've seen a a, a a chucky movie yes but 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 looking at it he's, he's so mischievous he's <laughs> like, a little stinker a little stinker and i i, I want to like you know um on board with yeah this little guy because this is one of those things that happens on this podcast quite frequently, which is you will say something and I'll go, Andrew, that's a really sharp observation. I'm really glad that you think this way about this movie or TV show. Like, actually, I never watched it. Uh, <laughs> Andrew was like, Chucky, Chucky's my guy. I love Chucky so much. And I'm like, fantastic. Like, what do you think of the Chucky movie? It's like, I've never seen one of them. Uh, so we thought it would be a fun thing it's to the do. The idea of him. <laughs> yeah, the, the concept of Chucky. It's just funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, it it's um yeah i, I like I'm, i yeah no i'll i'll maybe i'll talk about it later on what what i think the the appeal 
of Chucky. <laughs> Chucky specifically or talking dolls in general? Uh, no, I think it belongs to Chucky, but it's also other things. It's the idea of the, the it's the incongruity theory of the comic. All right. <laughs> where, 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 and it's like, it's, it's different philosophers who've looked at kind of comedy or what makes things funny have, 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 I've suggested that it, it's it's you juxtapose um, two things two, that do not go together. Yeah, yeah, and one of those things can be kind of living, and one of those things is is um, it's mechanical or inanimate. Um, and and then one of those things is kind of like innocence, and and the other is like you know, profanity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but somebody who definitely has seen all of the Chucky movies and all of the TV shows is the wonderful Charlie Lydon. I asked her to join us for this single episode, which we were doing. We're not going to talk about any more Chucky movies or TV <laughs> shows. Um, and thank you very much for coming on. But do you remember, where did it begin with you and Chucky? Is Chucky your favorite horror movie monster? And do you remember when he first wandered into your life? Um, I remember specifically that like my sister was having like a sleepover. And her friends and her were watching the Child's Play movie and I was kind of like scared or upset by it. Now, I should say I was like five or six. Um, no. Yeah. Anyway, my sister was older than me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I remember specifically my mother like sitting me down and going like, you know, this is just a movie. Like, don't be so upset. You just watch it with them. <laughs> that kind of, like, made me watch it with them as an exercise in, like, um, just, like, growing a pair or whatever. Don't be a um, wet blanket. <laughs> great parent. That's a really great parenting. I, I, I get bored Great parenting. Yeah. Top parenting. Look, look at the state of me now. <laughs> so, um, you will finish have, that like, inappropriate movie. It's very, much, it's very much the aversion therapy. It's like we caught you eating like a giant chocolate bar, so you have to eat a chocolate cake. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly that. And like, but it's not scary. Like, I didn't really find it scary. I suppose I found bits of it kind of like, like, I like gross or something. But, uh, but no, I didn't particularly find it scary. So, and and she gave me the whole talk about like what like what movies are <laughs> that they're like <laughs> actors and this is a puppet and you know that sort of thing. So you know that bode well for you know, future me understanding films. <laughs> yeah. This is like a formative moment for you then. It's the moment where you realise that films aren't like documentaries or exactly. kind of gossip about imaginary people. They are things that oh, are constructed. What did yes. you think about it uh, when when you're asking, Mommy, is is Chucky real? <laughs> like, is Chucky real? <laughs> She's like, well, there is a, you know, is a, it's a doll. <laughs> but I mean, in, a, the, in my little innocent brain, though, I didn't really understand that good guy dolls weren't real. Right. So oh, okay. I remember going into my local toy shop, which was like not like a massive Smiths or anything. It was a local toy shop called At- Atkinson's and asking the man if they sold good guy dolls. And he was just like, no. But I go in and wander around kind of looking for them, like in the way <laughs> they'd look for a Barbie or whatever. And I, I ended up asking a missed him. opportunity. Yeah, I know. They were foolish. Um, so anyway, I, the, the, your man was like, no, I don't, I've never heard of them. And then I was like, okay, grand. Dar- <laughs> so, Darren, <laughs> Darren will probably know better than I would, but I, I wonder if the reason that there aren't good guy toys is because it's partly like a satire on the whole <laughs> like idea of kind of like mer- merchandise and, um, you, you know, know it is uh, somewhat missed the point. Well, money, I mean, I suspect it's also money the grabbing and the commercialism of it. Yeah. 
I mean, again, you, you act as if, like, that hasn't stopped them making Robocop, like, animated TV shows and toys, obligatory Robocop reference. <laughs> like, Robocop is, like, this perfect satire of American consumerism and mass media. And it's also, like, but also, what like, if we did that with it? had to be a toy. Yeah. Because the makers didn't hate money. <laughs> <laughs> because famously, like, Don Mancini and, and Tom Holland and everybody involved with this are like, no money for us, please. Yeah, it's like, none of, none of these children, hopefully, will have seen Robocop, but they'll be aware of it and they'll 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 be aware of the the um chipmunks <laughs> version as well and, and and if they and if they aren't don't worry we'll just put a kid in the sequel um yeah. that's the perfect <laughs> um but like so is chucky your guy is chucky like your favorite slasher movie villain yeah like yeah but like i don't find him scary so he's like my little friend whereas like freddy yeah. krueger is really scary and like michael myers is really scary um, and I love them. I love those movies. But um, like, yeah, Chucky's my guy. And Probably if I was getting a tattoo, it would be Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Bren, you're kind of coming to this as, as a blank slate because I'm not entirely sure mm-hmm. of like your affection for the Chucky franchise. You could really throw things for a loop and say, actually, I'm a Mike Myers fan at heart. But Bren, what about yourself and Chucky and Child's Play? Okay, well, my affection is extreme. I love the Chucky films. I love Charles Play films. But uh, the first one I actually watched in its entirety was Bride of Chucky when it came out in video in in 98, I think. Yeah. And my experience with Chucky before that was one of those those films that you talk to um, lads with in the playgrounds. Like the Lost Boys films, the Lost Boy film even, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and Chucky were the ones that you'd kind of talk about and... It would scare you even to talk about it. You kind of like, you get told. You get like told. It's like oral storytelling. Yeah. You'd be told about these insane things that happened (laughs) in the Child's Play films. And then, sorry to, I don't want to put a downer on it, but then the uh, the Jamie Bulger case in 93 really erased any opportunity a kid of my age uh, would have had to see uh, a Child's Play film because they were just dirt with a lot of parents uh, when... Charles Play Tree was wrongly. They were taking out circulation, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Charles Play Tree in particular has a very uh, memorable, pulpy looking uh, video cover. And it turns out it was completely tabloid nonsense made up. The kids had never even seen the film. Uh, One of the dads liked horror movies, so they just went down that avenue. Um, Yeah, but uh, so I I had a a kind of a low opinion of them until I watched uh, Brother Chucky and loved it. And loved the whole post scream, post modern fun of it. How even the poster kind of parodies the yeah, Scream Two poster. Yeah. I loved all that, and then I was like, I want to watch the preceding films of these. And uh, I was, I was, I remember being genuinely surprised by the quality of the first two in particular. That they're the first one, I think, is a really solid horror film okay. on its own. It's just a really good horror film. Um, yeah, and I love Chucky. He's just a great character, you know. Okay. He, he's just—he's he's a, a good guy. He's not a great. He's not yeah. a good guy. He's a great guy. Um, but yeah, yeah. This is this is where the podcast maybe gets a little bit contentious because I think Chucky was never really like my personal favorite of the classic slasher movie monsters, and I think he is a classic slasher movie monster. But my preference was always I was always a Freddy Krueger guy, even growing up. And I mean, I think that's fair. You know, it's very obvious why. 
he is a literal manifestation of generational trauma. He's built around the idea that, you know, your thoughts can hurt you, that things that exist in your mind can cause you physical suffering. He's basically Inception in Reagan-era America, which is a collection of buzzwords that I think were always going to be Darren's favorite slasher movie monster. Plus, you know, he also, like, puns and prop comedy as well. He has that going for him. And I think a really, really classic design that I absolutely love. But I think that, yeah, Chucky would be would be up there for me. I think, you know, obviously, okay. like, Myers and Leatherface tend to get in there just on, like, design alone. But I think Chucky, in terms of personality, I think he's a really engaging and charismatic screen presence. So he would certainly be, like, second tier for me. He'd be, like, right, right behind Freddy, I think. Overall, though, film franchise quality, Ooh, which which wins do you think, though? <laughs> that's a tough one. Cause I th- including mm. TV series based on said monster. We got, do, uh, do we? Okay, do, so I have to include, like, Freddy's Nightmares in this as well. Yeah, <laughs> well, they're, yeah they're not great. So how does the scoring work? Like, so, so, like, for the Alien franchise, do, like, the, the two Alien versus Predator... Or are they movies. included as well? well? Do they, they like, is it so negative So does Freddy marking? versus Jason go into, like, the basket with the Nightmare franchise or the Friday uh, the 13th franchise? And is, is, it, oh. is it negative scoring? Yeah, do Oh, okay, do, so, do, like, does it get docked? Yeah, do they go, mm. and, well, yeah. If you buy an Alien Blu-ray box set, it usually doesn't have the two Alien versus Predator films. This is true. It'll have, from Alien up until... But it doesn't have Prometheus. No, well, yeah, it will, I think. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't be deciding on box sets. Yeah. No. I think they do have separate Wikipedia pages. Oh. I think it's like, yeah, so you have like the Alien series and then click here to check out the Alien versus Predator series. Yeah, but like we're not lawyers here. Yeah, no. we have to go with our hearts here. So no, no. And if it was a lawyer, I wouldn't Freddy be using Kruger Wikipedia as a reference. I'd be a terrible lawyer. It's like, <laughs> Can I hold up this? <laughs> See the amendments? <laughs> I printed yeah. it out this morning. You could see from the edit history that it was added right before I printed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what? <laughs> so I think, I think... Super Liar Fifty One. That could be anyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is this is the thing with child's play, and I guess this is kind of a nice segue to talk about the film. I think, and this is maybe my hot take on on like the Chucky franchise, is that Chucky is probably the only slasher icon I can think of, with maybe the exception of Jason Voorhees, where the first film in the franchise is not the strongest. Where, like, you can make an argument for any film that is not the first film being the strongest in the series. Uh, whereas I think that if you go with Freddy, it has to be Nightmare. If you go with Ghostface, it has to be Scream. Go with Michael Myers, it has to be the original Halloween. And I would say Alien, but people would uh, disagree with that. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I would say you. Alien. <laughs> I, yeah, Alien is the best of the yeah. bunch. Absolutely. Then, it's then, art, like, the, and, and Aliens is a kind of a... And, a blockbuster and then you yeah. say predator and everyone's all like yeah the adrian brodian one that's the one that we think about um <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard good things about prey prey is people crazy. seem to really like it i actually i unironically like Predator. is it better than predator though because no. like that would be a very strong take yes that would be a very str- is it better than one of the strong best action movies of the age? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no i presume <laughs> to go back to, to bren's question though i think the thing about the Child's Play movies for me is that they have a very high floor. I think the worst Child's Play movie, and I'm not going to say which one it is, because we're obviously not going to talk about any of them ever again. Of course, we're uh, only talking, we're about, only the talking about the first yeah. one. Um, but if we were, I wouldn't want to spoil anybody's experience of, by revealing which one it is. Um, but I think that that one is is bad, but there are no other bad Chucky films. Like, I think that yeah. Chucky has one bad film, and the rest of his filmography is, like, solid to legitimately brilliant. 
And I think that he's the rare horror icon who can say that. Where, like, Leatherface cannot say that. He cannot. Leatherface is like, I've got Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And depending on your mood, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. And then the rest of them are just, like, the worst experience of your life. Yeah. I I think when it comes to Freddy, Freddy has, and this is probably going to be controversial or divisive, Freddy has a much higher ceiling in terms of the quality of his movies. I think that pound for pound, Freddy has the best opening three movies of any slasher movie icon I can think of, right? I think the first movie is a classic. It's one of the best slasher movies ever made. I think the third movie is an unsung horror masterpiece. Uh, I think the second movie is surprisingly decent and kind of interesting underneath it all. And I don't think you can say that about any other kind of slasher icons opening trilogy. So I think like with Scream, you've got Scream 3. With Halloween, you've got Halloween 2. With Friday the 13th, you've got any one of them, depending on your personal preference. So I think that, yeah, I think like Freddy has a very good opening salvo. But I think that once you get past that, like 4 is solid. But like Nightmare on Elm Street 5 and Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. And I think, you know, and you get into the reboot, uh, which is just horrific uh, in all the wrong ways. Uh, Those are legitimately bad movies. And I don't think that there's, I think if there is a Chucky movie as bad as those, there's only one of them. And I think that Freddy has made far worse movies than Chucky has, which I think is very much to Chucky's credit. But I also, I don't think Chucky has an individual movie as good as, say, the original Nightmare on Elm Street or as good as Wes Craven's new Nightmare. Or maybe even, like, I think he tops out somewhere around, say, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors in terms of quality. Uh, which isn't isn't a knock. That's a very, very good movie. Um, but I think like that's kind of that's where I fall with ranking the Chucky franchise. He's got a high a high floor and a pretty high ceiling, but it's not a skyscraper. Oh. Um, that's, okay. Yeah. So that was I a very set that answer. as an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> it's perfectly valid. I'm not getting kicked out he of the It still podcast. is possibly uh, winning. Like just for you, you know, is steady kind of yeah. <laughs> consistency, yeah, reliability, you know. Yeah, which seems like a wild thing to ascribe <laughs> to the killer dog. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing about the the Chucky franchise is that unlike most of the other horror franchises, it, it with the exception of the reboot, it has a consistent hand behind it. Don Mancini, mm. yeah, who has been involved in every movie to one degree or another, apart from obviously the reboot. Um, it was his idea to come up with this movie. Um, he based it, uh, he wrote a script when he was in film school, was it Split Screen? Uh, which garnered such praise that he's like, I should maybe actually write a movie. And he was like, okay, so what do I want to write about? And he's like, well, my father is in advertising. So, and he's like talked about how one of the things that is happening in 80s pop culture is deregulation of advertising for children. Right. Uh, which, yeah, that they're just showing like um, 30 minute long uh advertisements for toys that's it exactly you have like entire tv shows built around it and obviously like he-man master of the universe thunder gi joe what gi joe as well was yeah. Uh, quite yeah uh gi joe transformers thundercats smurfs mask rainbow bright teenage mutant ninja turtles my buddy cabbage batch kids you had this huge explosion of like media in the 80s that was just designed to sell kids on these toys and i think that like the specific example he cites is in 1983 And we will include links in the show notes because these are completely insane. Um, In 1983 at Christmas, the hottest toy was the Cabbage Batch Kids. 
Uh, and apparently, the thing about the cabbage match like kit, tulips, weren't they? In in <laughs> in in the in the Netherlands in what the seventeen hundreds, <laughs> people were selling their house to buy one. Oh, and, yeah, like the New York Times again. We'll have links to these in in the show notes. But like, for example, um, there was Edward Pennington from Kansas City discovered that it was cheaper to take a flight to London to buy one of the five, <laughs> one of the five cabbage batch kids who had not been sold in London. And in fact, what happened then is as soon as, uh, I believe it was the Bristol Star heard that this was happening, they sent their reporter to buy it and then ransomed it for an interview, which is quite wow. remarkable. That's a bit of journalism ethics right there is what I think that is. <laughs> That's excellent journalism. They interviewed yeah. a cabbage patch doll. <laughs> what? <laughs> They've been watching too many child's play movies. But that was 1983, <laughs> so I guess they couldn't have. Yeah. yeah, it was pressing it up. <laughs> but you have like uh, Manhattan, like... It reports of like a is, there, sa- is this a living doll? <laughs> <laughs> read, read our read our story on page six to find out. Yeah. Well, no, it's more like the this man has traveled from Kansas City to the UK to buy a doll for his kid at Christmas, and he just he doesn't want any trouble. He certainly doesn't want to, to be interviewed by your newspaper. <laughs> but it's too late because we have the doll. Yeah. You'll talk or you'll go home empty-handed. Presumably, um, <laughs> they had to buy all five of the dolls. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Now, he did say that he did try to pay them afterwards and they were like, they, his money was no good here. Okay. Um, but yeah, like you, ha- you have accounts like a saleswoman in Manhattan Gimbals is still limping. Small animals and children were trampled underfoot. Lawsuits were threatened against the manufacturer Coleco. Uh, you have stories of like a toy store in New Britain hiring an armored car to deliver 24 Cabbage Batch, kill, uh, cabbage batch kids to prevent like trouble among shoppers, for example. Like... New Britain is, is New that Britain. like in Indonesia somewhere? Okay, uh, or am I thinking of New um, New Ireland? It's it, it is uh, it, in it's, in like the Oceania or the Pacific. I it? I think it's in the uh, the northwest. Uh, the northeast. Sorry, I think it's in the northeast of America. Oh, okay. It's probably a different. So it's like one New place. England. Well, there's more than one place called like New, New Britain, Britain. To be fair, okay, okay, sorry. Um, but like, yeah, you had this idea that like these toys were the most incredible things to have. Where like, you know, Coleco were making like two hundred thousand of them a week. People, I, w- I, w- I, w- I went to the fact machine. You did go to the fact machine. It is a city in Connecticut. Thank you, thank you, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you keeping me honest. Um, but yeah, so you had like you and again like you had these stories about like. Um, the 25,000 Cabbage Batch dolls kill kids allocated to England, like all disappearing, like in mid-October. And again, this idea that like consumerism in the 80s was so absurd that in Harrods, apparently their their best-selling toy that Christmas in 1983 was a gas-driven Range Rover costing £3,600, which is... Wow. yeah, Gas-driven? Gas <laughs> Range Rover for the kid. <laughs> wow. Like right. what? How you many, hook it up to a gas cylinder? What? Yeah. How many <laughs> explosion? Sorry, do you do you mean that you 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 would take it to a, a as a Americans would say a gas station? That, yeah, yeah, it's American. Sorry, it's American gas. It's it's a, it's a New York oh. Times article, so it's petrol right. powered. Okay, Diesel. right. I was, I was picturing like... like a big orange like tank connected to this, saying color gas, <laughs> it's just circling around. <laughs> The like, alternative yeah. is like flammable liquids in a child's toy. <laughs> Just doesn't seem like a good you idea. You have to be over the age of three to, <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to operate this. Well, I, mean, I always feel happy. bad when I'm buying presents for like two year olds. <laughs> like, oh, you can have no fun. 
until you're three. <laughs> and then like you, you, you know, you, you can buy the camper van with the tiny little forks. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, so like the idea is that like, obviously like Mancini had kind of seen this stuff happening. And it was like, that would be a really cool premise for a horror movie. Because obviously mm. there had been this, um, obviously that the killer doll is a, a classic horror motif. Um, but what's interesting is that up until this point, it had largely been ventriloquist dummies. So when you had mm. kind of horror movies, think of like Magic with Anthony Hopkins, for example, is, is, is a great example. You have like, I think like The Night of the Dead, The Great Gabo, Devil Doll, all these sorts of movies in the 60s, 70s, 40s, etc. That were about like ventriloquist dummies coming to life. Mm. But all those movies were about the idea that people operated these puppets. And these puppets kind of became projections of the self. Yeah. And then what happens is like in the 60s, you have the advent of toys that have like chips and circuitry in them. Mm. And I think there's a really great example of like the uh, Twilight Zone episode is the living doll, which has, <laughs> is it talky, talky, Tina? talking Tina? Yes. Yeah. Um, who was a, a, she was a riff on, I believe it's a chatty Kathy, the real toy. And they actually mm. hired, I think, June Foray, who was the voice of the actual toy, to voice the killer doll uh, in the Twilight Zone. Oh, so she's mm. the voice of Chatty Cathy. Yeah, and the voice oh, of Talkie <laughs> Tina. <laughs> okay. Um, good. But like, it, it, again, it, you have this idea of these toys becoming um, kind of like more animated. And well, the advantage of a knockoff is that you can get a cheaper actor. <laughs> but, um, they went for the same one. I guess he was game. Yeah. I, I think it also prevents a lawsuit. I imagine that if they had actually made like the killer in that episode, like Chatty, if Chatty Cathy was just holding a knife over Telly Savalas's body, Art? I imagine you'd have like some sort of lawsuit. That... Or does it make them more open to a lawsuit? Fair, fair, fair. yeah, fair point. <laughs> but yeah, you so you had this basic idea that you you had this emergence of like dolls that were interactive and stuff like that. And again, Buddy, I think, is one of my Buddy. If anybody remembers the My Buddy dolls from the eighties. They were ones where they could move their lips and their eyes and basically, again, very animatronic. And the original pitch for this movie was, I believe, called Batteries Not Included. Uh, and the That's idea... Right. Was, no, I, I, I was listening to... Um, sorry, sorry. I was, listen, I was listening to Gourley and Rust talk about, talk about this movie. Sorry, I beg your pardon. No, um, but they had to change the name because Spielberg um, yeah. had, had got a copyright on that. Then the original plan was to call it Blood Buddy. Where the idea was, and I love this idea, where um, Mancini's plan was that the, the hook, you know this, do you? Yeah. The hook for this doll would be, it would be the first doll sold with like blood. So you could <laughs> cut the doll and it would bleed. And the idea That's was, it, it, the idea, the idea was that like um, the character in the movie, um, Andy would basically like cut his finger and cut the doll's finger and make a blood pact with him. They would become blood buddies as it were. And Mancini's original pitch was that, like, the doll, which would become Chucky, would act on, like, um, on Andy's kind of, like, dark thoughts. So, basically, he would kill anybody who got in Andy's way, anybody who offended Andy. Andy. So, things like, for example, the babysitter who tells him to go to bed ends up dead. The mother who becomes kind of is absent or working really hard and he har harbors resentment towards her, she also ends up dead. All that sort of stuff. That was the original idea. And I love that, like... David Kirshner, who was the producer, who had, I believe, produced at that point an American tale with Steven Spielberg and wanted to, like, branch out and prove that he could do more than just, like, family-friendly animation about cute rodents. He was like, couple of notes on your screenplay here. First one is, as a parent, uh, 
asking <laughs> asking the audience to accept that you're buying your kid a toy that bleeds. Uh, <laughs> that that's a big hurdle to get over for the movie. I I don't know. Like they, they, when when you were a child, did you not have like a lot of yuck toys? Where 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 the whole I certainly did. I I had well, like garbage pail kids. I had a skull. Where like ooze would come out of its nose and you could put like a pulsating <laughs> kind of a, a festering blister on his forehead and stuff. And, and you would put like makeup over it and then like it would just burst and like like uh, ooze and pus would come out. And there was, there was all but this could you of... mix your pus with the pus of the doll? And therefore create yeah. a psychic bond <laughs> between <laughs> the two of you. Thankfully I didn't. The, 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 we'll never the, know the answer the, to that. The toy seller warned me. It's like you must never ever mix Under your blood. Under any circumstances. Yeah, yeah. No matter how much it asks. Yeah. Um, and miss a curse doll. Um, but yeah, it was like, um, you know the way I the, there is a toy which is like a mannequin's head. Yeah. And you can like kind of cut the hair and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, like, that is relatable. Yeah. It was like that, except it was um, a skull where you can put skin on it. <laughs> That's this, a great. This, yeah, yeah, I remember that. So yeah, yeah, that exists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. But I do feel like that's maybe more of a niche product. I feel like, yeah. <laughs> and maybe a slightly older age than what Andy would yeah. be. It's that's yeah. that's for the, the ten to twelve year olds. I think so. To, yeah. What's he? Six, five, six? How old is Andy? Yeah. yeah. And I think the the other note that Cur- so Kirster's first note was like, as a parent, I'm not buying my six year old kid a doll that bleeds. Um, the other the other note uh, was that yeah. The movie kind of that makes Andy seem like less sympathetic and likable if this doll is yeah. acting on his subconscious impulse to like murder yeah. um, these people. <laughs> Everybody. It, yeah, it makes this six year old kid at the heart of this movie less likable. So they go off and they kind of change it. And you have, again, various other people becoming involved at, at certain points. Most obviously the director, Tom Holland. And again, we'll talk about this. One of the interesting things about this movie is that it is a movie where the authorship is largely contested. Where Holland, mm. all three credited screenwriters have claimed to one degree or another that they worked on it themselves and they are the sole author of this and they deserve <laughs> all the credit for it. Uh, and that the work that was given to them or the work that happened after they left was unsalvageable. Um, but like Holland is like, no, the script was garbage, so I completely rewrote it. And the only reason that Mancini has a credit is because, and I, I love this quote, because the Writers Guild of America has a bias against directors. Um, that's the reason why i'm not sole credited screenplay author on this and mancini's kind of talked about this how this is the only chucky movie that he wasn't on set for um because well two reasons first of all there was a writer's strike in 88 uh, which would have prevented him being on set to do rewrites or anything like that in case he was needed Uh, and the other reason he said was that he felt like he just wouldn't have been welcome um and that was not the vibe that he got from that set there and uh holland is like no, he absolutely would have been welcome. He just didn't show up. He was, he was beefing with the DGA. The WGA and the DGA just like... <laughs> like, yeah, clicking like their fingers walking, like, to yeah. the backlog, just in rhythm. Exactly, um, yeah. But, um, yeah, so basically, again, very fraught, very tense uh, production. But what happened is, like, during post-production, uh, Holland, I believe, kind of had to leave. And so I think Mancini was kind of brought back in to work on the edit and the cut of the movie. So you have this interesting thing that happens with the movie where it begins with Mancini, it goes through production with Holland, and it kind of goes through post-production with Kirshner and Mancini. So you have this movie that has a lot of kind of 
authors a lot of fingers in the stew, as it were. Um, and the result mm-hmm. is, I think, kind of interesting. Um, but all right, before we jump into talking about the movie in more depth, three questions uh, to get us started. So, Bren, mm-hmm. do you think that Child's Play belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies ever made? Um, pr- probably not. <laughs> um, I do love it, but probably not. Uh, it maybe maybe top thousands, but uh, 250, no. Uh, and Charlene, what about yourself? I cannot, in good conscience, <laughs> say that it, it definitely belongs in the top two hundred and fifty. I wouldn't be unhappy if it showed up someday by some <laughs> some mad uh, twist of fate. But no, it probably doesn't deserve to be in the top two hundred and fifty. All right, and and Andrew, as like on your first watch of this movie, like, do you think this is one of the two hundred and fifty greatest movies ever made? I mean, no, but uh, like, it's great fun. I I I I enjoyed it a lot, and um, if if I think um, like people are aware of Chucky, but I it it doesn't maybe have the like the outsize kind of cultural resonance that some like um, Michael Myers or Freddy yeah, or, or even Jason. other kind of movies of this kind of period would have would have would have, would have had. Yeah. Oh, you mean like eighty around eighty eight kind of? Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the you know the the, the not just Robocop, but like um, uh, well, Back Predator, to the Future and yeah. yeah stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, Predator is another good example. I think that is it. Um, Alex Vincent, who plays Andy, has talked about how when they're making Child's Play two, uh, one of his delights was they shot it all on the Universal backlot. Uh, which was where they were shooting, I think, Back to the Future 3 at that point. So he said he got to have, like, lunch with Michael J. Fox in the Universal Cantina. And it's, like, one of the best experiences of his life as an eight-year-old kid. That's cool. That's really cool. No, I was about to wonder whether it would be more of a classic if they if they had, like, uh, a, a big star or two in it. But Robocop doesn't. like so. No, and, and I don't think any of the big kind of slasher yeah. movies. Do. So Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween. You don't have like one, Gabriel but... Byrne. <laughs> as, as, um... as detective, uh, what is it? Noyce? Is it... Norris, that's who it is. Norris, Norris. Yeah. Detective yeah. Norris. Mm. I think he would what be What are you good. saying about Chris Sarandon? What's your beef with him? Is <laughs> <laughs> he not a big enough star for you? It's Prince Humperdinck. <laughs> and he, he was is. in Fright Night he with is. Tom Holland. Like that, Again, like this is the yeah. thing that's where... Right. And gave Susan Sarandon her great name. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Did he? Yeah, yeah. That's a, the that's a, that's why she's Susan Sarandon. Oh, okay. They went to do yeah. I think they did they go to uni together or was it high school? They 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 were married like since nineteen seventy seven. So okay. They and I was surprised. I was like, how was Susan Sarandon like of legal age in seventy seven? <laughs> but, but but yeah. <laughs> I, I, she, so she she, she kept the name. Yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very unsusan Sarandon of her. I but, maybe, but, but maybe very good for the brand. Maybe oh, she had yes. booked kind <laughs> of. Good name. Um, good it name. is a good name. Yeah. Maybe she had booked kind of um, jobs as Susan Sarandon, and then it's kind of. Isn't it a thing where a lot of people change their name because like their 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 own isn't available? Yeah. But once mm. they have a name, like that's their name. You're right? Kind of stuck with it. Yeah. You don't. Really, well, I mean, to, again, for brand purposes, you don't tend to change or drop your your name that much. Unlike musicians. Yeah. Who changed their name? Uh, their name's loads. I mean, again, that's the Michael. Like you they know need what, a Michael... better guild. <laughs> we do. They more need guilds. a musicians guild. More of America. guilds. Yeah. Um, I mean, have you? You know the thing. You know Michael Keaton's real name. Uh, like John Wayne or something, Uh-oh. right? Or no? Uh, <laughs> or no? Uh, no, I don't. Charlene, do you know? Yeah, Ma- Michael Douglas, right? It is. He was oh, Michael wow. Douglas. Yeah. 
Uh, he took his name from, um, it was Diane Keaton, was where he got his Without name. Without even from. having to marry her or anything. Amazing. You can do that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he just read an article and he was like, that's a cool name. I'm going to take it. And it was. it turns <laughs> out that Diane Keaton's name is not Diane Keaton. It is, in fact, Diane Hall, Annie Hall. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, a lot of stuff we're not going to go into there. But, um. Okay. <laughs> but basically, yeah. So Chris, Chris Sarandon kind of comes to the project through Tom Holland, who directed him in Fright Night. I think it was also uh, Brad Dorff comes to the project through Tom Holland as well, because I think Holland had directed him in Is It Fatal Beauty, the Whoopi Goldberg movie uh, as well. Right, I mean, there okay. are some very interesting candidates for the role of Chucky that we will talk about when we get into the into the spoiler zone, perhaps. Okay. Um, and for myself, yeah, no, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think I guess there's a few people are Chucky though. Like, yes, yes, like there are. It's important to acknowledge it's like, that, like Ed yeah. Gale. Yes, is the in Howard the Duck. Yes, he is Howard the Duck. That was his big break. Yes. Yeah. All of the classic 80s movies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All of the 80s masterpieces. And and yes, we will talk then about like Ed Gale's relationship with the franchise where he's kind of come and gone over the years as well. And, and kind of, yes, he's had a very tumultuous relationship with the franchise, which is understandable. Um, and again, like the, the thing is, this movie does use uh, models, little people a lot as well. It uses uh, a lot of in-suit performers. Whereas the later movies use a lot more dolls and animatronics. And again, we'll talk about that in the spoilers. But they had to, the, the, I heard that they, they changed like the furniture so that the scale worked. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, again, this is the old whole movie magic stuff where like they had to, <laughs> for the first movie, they had to build all the sets like six feet off the ground. So the puppeteers could go underneath them and operate them. And they also had to build the apartment. I, I think it's something like one sixth extra scale so that they could do like forced perspective with the actors and the small performers as well to get a sense of the, the actor, the child looking small. And I think like the the thing, and again, it, it's Mancini's kind of said this. What's really interesting is that when you get to the later Chucky films and you're using like all models and you're using all animatronics, people are like, man, that's... That must be so expensive. And it's like, no, the reason why we do that is because it's cheaper than like building sets six yeah, feet off the ground <laughs> and building sets that are like one sixth extra size just for, for forced perspective. The child Andy, he does seem very long. Did they make a decision about like the length of the child? For, um, he is quite long. Yeah, based on the size of the... It's like if they had him any smaller, then, then he would be the same size as the doll and wouldn't be able to carry him around. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the logistical know. decisions of it it's like yeah. it's a good performance now get out the measuring tape uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean you know the story of how um, Alex Vincent got the role right Mm-mm. and we can swear on the oh, podcast now so I can I can tell this story without bleeping it but so basically they, they send the uh, was he the, a very sweary child it's, it was a very <laughs> um, so obviously like they have the so, they have they send out the scene that you have to audition with and to, uh, for uh, the and act he, he improvised kind of he, he, yeah, uh, he was like Aunt a, Maggie was a real bitch <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the line that got him it that was the line that got him the part but it was really be- it was because he when they were filming that when his mother when they were doing the the audition his mother was present and he kept like saying that oh i forgot it i can't remember it can we do the line again and he kept like having like tripping over it kind of stuttering it and whatever and they were like i think one of the guys was like this kid's awful to forget about it and i think holland was like no 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 ask the mother to leave the room mm. and they asked the mother to leave the room and he nails it in one take. That and, bitch would never leave. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's like uh, Tom Holland said that was the moment where I realized like he he wasn't he hadn't for the the thing that got him the role wasn't like the line delivery, 
It was the fact that he was pretending that he had forgotten the line because he didn't want to say it in front of his mother, proving he was a believable little actor. Yeah, Uh. yeah. Love that. (laughs) Great story. All right, then. And then, so, Bren, would this be on your own personal 250? If you had a list of 250 favorite movies, would this be on? Yeah, yeah. It would be on my own personal 250, I think. Yeah. All right. Would it be high? Yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) It would be, yeah, but it would do all right. It's all right. Maybe, yeah, one 150 maybe. Right. Yeah, around yeah. 150. Right. Yeah. How does it rank in terms of, like, the child's play movies as a whole? Is this, like, at the top of the pack? Is it in the middle of the Ooh. pack? Is it at the bottom? Oh. It, it, it's hard to say. Well, the child's play films, they, they, go, they go through different phases, don't they? And They do. Like, like all growing children, yes. <laughs> yeah. And it almost feels crazy to compare child's play with something like Seed the Chucky. <laughs> the, you know? Um, I, I think of the first three... It it's the one that nails it the mm. best, I think. Yeah. For sticking on for good crack, Bride of Chucky's just endlessly fun. Okay. Um it's, yeah, it's up there. It's obviously up there, but All right. yeah. And Charlene, what about yourself? Would this be in your own personal two fifty? And how would it rank if you were ranking the Chucky films? Because this is the only chance we're gonna get to talk about them ever. Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um well it would be in my top two fifty and it'd be probably it's probably in my top like fifty films ever yeah wow i love this (laughs) that's why i'm here (laughs) does everyone know the present i bought charlene for her birthday a couple of years ago no no that's that's not public knowledge Uh, like who's the public (laughs) (laughs) you might tweet about it or something Uh, i heard heard there was theming on uh around your wedding is that right Yes. Oh, they're they're well. They're just there was a lot of Chucky things at our wedding. Yeah, but then like a a bridal website wrote <laughs> wrote a review like a review of our wedding. I don't know, <laughs> like a three stars pro- <laughs> profile. I don't know what they do. Um, and and they were like bride of Chucky themed wedding, and we were like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. But we did have uh, Chucky and Tiffany at the top of our wedding, like on, or beside our wedding cake. Yeah, beside and and on our altar. And on our altar, it was and, non-denominational and, and each, ta- <laughs> each table is named after a different romantic film, and one of them happened to be Bride of Chucky. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So because yeah. the media will like will the fuck car- up the <laughs> they get. Yeah, yeah. yeah they we twist have to be very it. careful about that. Yeah, the, the, the vultures—they're so. circling like vultures. The church have kind yeah. of loosened their rules a bit. They no longer insist on the 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 Bride of Chucky and. Chucky, kind of like on, on the altar, on the altar. You, you, it's can, yeah. you can it's now a, yeah. have like you can get Jason Voorhees if you want and if you're if yeah. you're Episcopalian you can get like uh Freddy yeah yeah <laughs> I do. well we didn't have this when when we got married but a few years ago like since we got married mm-hmm. Bren bought me an actual good guy doll oh wow but, like, wow not like not you a finally found it in, like it's it's when he's good <laughs> yes exactly Mr. Atkinson could not deliver this <laughs> yeah Brent Murphy could. Uh, yeah. Uh, I should have had him here this evening. And since we're never, ever going to do no. another podcast about a child's play film, I'll never be able to do that. So I'm sorry. But God knows where he is. He goes walk about. So. I, I did like, by the way, that you say we had a lot of Chucky things at our wedding. And it's like, I have seen like Cult of Chucky and the Chucky TV show. And I'm now just imagining the Bride of Chucky table was just Chucky dolls. <laughs> um, Thousands of them. Thousands yeah. of them. <laughs> holding, holding really aggressive conversations with one another. 
Um, and Andrew, what about yourself? This is your first time I watching. Like burnt Chucky sitting next <laughs> yeah. to yeah. good guys sitting yeah. next to like angry Chucky. Yeah. yeah. Ball uh, Chucky, strong um, Chucky. Um, yeah, yeah. Cigarette lighter Chucky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Andrew, this is like your first time watching this. Like first Normally I'd ask you, is this in your top 250 movies? But I want to ask, did this live up to your expectations? This is something you've been looking forward to for God knows how long. We've organized this episode around it. Like, was it worth it? Was it everything you wanted it to be? No, I don't, like, like I'm, 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 I'm certainly not like disappointed with it. I think it's like, like there's a lot of expectation, and I, and 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 I'm, I was, I saw the movie and I was like there for it. I really enjoyed it, and 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 I'm like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on the. Chucky bandwagon. I feel like um, would I put it on my two fifty? I might. Like I think, like like if if you had to make a split second decision, I'd probably put it on. Like if it was a Dale Winton's kind of two fifty sweep, where you go into a a, a a movie warehouse and like Andrew just finds it on the shelf, an like, extra it's going in the basket. <laughs> or if I just am robbing an extra vision and Dale Winton's not involved. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. only robbing 250 titles from an extra yeah 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 the bag I have will only fit exactly 250 yeah um, and, and for myself probably not um, I, I kind of I would put this in the middle of the child's play films maybe a little bit towards the bottom um, I think and I still think this is a good movie I still think it's highly enjoyable I had a lot of fun with it I feel I weirdly feel like the podcast could turn hostile at any given moment. Did I make a face? <laughs> I didn't mean to. No. Andrew was also looking at me. Um, okay, but yes. Fine. So it wouldn't be on my own personal two fifty. I did like it. I liked revisiting it. Um, it's a movie that I think rewatches very very well. Um, I watched all the Chucky films last year when I did like a binge of all like the big slasher icons. And um, let me tell you, Texas Chainsaw Massacre that was a slog. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this was like again with Nightmare on Elm Street. This was one of the ones I actually enjoyed. Saw also a bit of a slog, unsurprisingly. Um, mm. Halloween gets very good, then very bad, then very good, then very bad. Um, but yeah, Child's Play was was a good one, and revisiting for this, I had a really really good time with it. So who knows? It may grow uh, in time. And then Bren, just before we jump to the spoiler zone, final question: If listeners have not seen the original 1988 Child's Play, directed by Tom Holland, would you recommend that they pause the podcast and stream it to a local device? Um, I mean, that's always good, but I, I think this is one of those films that your enjoyment of it is is going to be high regardless if you know every beat <laughs> or not. There's no massive twists. <laughs> you know, I suppose, actually, if, you, if you're watching the film, it it does play with the idea that maybe... Maybe Charles Lee Ray is not in the body of Chucky and it is a part of um, Andy's brain gone wrong. But I think at this stage, the film is famous enough, the franchise is famous enough yeah. that we know we, what we happens. Yeah. 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 We know Brad Dorf is a doll and there's a talking doll and he swears a lot and he stabs people. That's So that's that's the closest thing to a twist in it is, is that moment one of the best moments in the film Purely, is the battery scene yes. sorry <laughs> we're, we're not getting into spoilers but yes, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Purely dramatic so I would say yeah, yeah but yeah. it works like <laughs> yeah, even yeah knowing we, like yes even being aware of the yeah. premise of the child's play franchise yeah but 50 50 I'd say yeah yeah you should why haven't you watched it already but 
yeah, no, totally listen. Just chat about it a bit more first and then go check it out. I don't think it'll change your enjoyment of it. And Shirley, what about yourself? Yeah, similar. Like, I mean, I feel like I, I'd recommend this film to anyone. Like, unless they're like, I i don't like horror films. Like, I just tell everyone to watch it. So, but like, I don't think we're going to discuss anything that's going to ruin your ability to enjoy it. Yeah. So, in fact, we'll probably sell it even more. Yeah. We're going to sell this really hard. <laughs> yes. So, um, and, and Andrew, what about yourself? Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely would. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was well made. I think it, the in 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 terms of different kinds of horror, I thought it was um, kind of disgusting, like at times, and and gory, it, it, like the disturbing in in ways. And yeah, that it, that it, that it could be it could be frightening at times. It's not an especially scary movie. Yes, that, yeah. that's that's what I was going to say. I think it's a very accessible horror movie. I think if you're yeah, like yeah. somebody who doesn't like horror movies, I guess you know that you don't like horror movies. But if you're on the fence and you're like, I don't know, it's not a scary horror movie. It's a yeah, it's kind of crossover enough. Yeah. yeah, like this isn't just kind of this. This isn't kind of pandering to a horror movie kind of aficionado. It's 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 get it's going to get kind of um, your general kind of film watcher interested. Yeah. Well, that that was the thing. It it was massively successful. I think it was like the second highest grossing horror movie of nineteen eighty eight, behind I think Nightmare on Elm Street four. Wow. It um it beat Halloween four, The Curse of Michael Myers that year. It also beat I think Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, The Next Generation or The New Generation. And I think it also uh, outperformed uh, Spielberg's Batteries Not Included, which was the movie that it was like had a name change to avoid directly competing with as well. Mm. So that said, it, it's probably not a surprise that it beat like, you know, Halloween 4, given, you know, the quality of, of, of Halloween 4. Yeah. Um, but um, it, it, it did perform remarkably well. And I think it's the production team have talked about how like they wanted it to be and again, you have that like stereotype of the horror movie ghetto and the idea that <clears throat> horror movies are inherently lesser than other movies and disposable or whatever. But they wanted this to be, quote, an actual movie. They yeah. wanted it to be like something that... It feels that, like that. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it, not to get too spoilery, it's a movie, it's a horror movie with a car chase and an exploding house in it. Like, it's... Yeah. Like, yeah. It has scale. It, it's like, it's, you know, it's not a blockbuster. It's like a big budget pulpy thriller. Yeah. Like, noir mm-hmm. type thing. Like, it feels like cruising or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's like cruising I, can't, like, I, mean, I just mean like that <laughs> gritty city streets thing uh, i can't wait for the sequel that's like cruising <laughs> <laughs> and i wouldn't put it past any of them to no, put a sequel no. that's like cruising but no. anyway i would say i would say it's it's not as trashy as you think it is and yes. i think that's that's talking to people who haven't seen it and going cold they're always like that's actually a really well-made yes. film that mm. is good filmmaking. It's this is not uh, just I know just knocked out there. It's it's well taught, well executed yeah. film, um, and very 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 well made. It has a cast of actors who, while they're not big names, are actors who are very good at what they're doing. I would argue. I think Sir Randon's very mm. good. I think Kicks is very good. I think Vincent is very good um, as a kind of like as a young performer, and obviously Dorif as well, who was an Oscar nominee. Um, so like it's, it's a really, really well-made film. It's a nice bit of 80s popcorn entertainment. And if you are somebody who is afraid of horror movies and want to like ease yourself into the genre, this is probably a more accessible point than something like say Friday the 13th or, you know, Halloween or even Scream. Particularly bloody. No, 
No, but a lot of people do seem to have a very specific fear of killer dolls. That's yes. true. Um, I, I, Obviously, yeah. if you do, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> avoid this film. Um, our our life size Chucky, we keep in our guest room, and now and again, a guest will have to put a towel over or something. Like that. <laughs> I'll also always make sure, and I ask, like, you know, do you want me to get rid of the Chucky doll? And like most people are like. Oh, I think I think it'll be okay. But it is at the foot <laughs> of the bed. It is at the foot of the bed. Never visit our house. <laughs> in in the yellow box, staring at you while you sleep. But in the yellow box, crucially, the yellow box is sealed. Yeah. Oh, it's in. It's in the. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's sealed. <laughs> they're probably afraid of saying that they want it taken away. Yeah. There is like. I like, know, yeah. I think Honestly, you, will we take yeah, away? No, I know they would. I know. I know people have lied to me. <laughs> will, will we take away this toy lie. for you? It's like, yeah, if you don't mind. It's like, you stupid bitch, you bully slut. I'll show you. The He's my best <laughs> easy, easy, there, Charlie Ray. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's what happens when we try to take Andrew's batteries out. Uh, with that in mind, we will segue. Wait, hold on. Did I? Uh, yeah. So, with that in mind, then we'll segue neatly into the spoiler zone. Spoiler zone. So, Charlene, what is Child's Play about for you? Every time you ask me this question, I go. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay, well, you can pass the brand if you want. Right, he doesn't just ask you this <laughs> question about Child's Play. Over. Yeah, because it's like, actually, so we're talking about American History X and then into the sports. Like, so what is Child's Play, the 1988 movie directed by Tom Holland about for you? Curveball. I feel like I can usually come up with some, like, you know, decently intellectual answer. But um, Child's Play, <laughs> to me, is about a killer doll uh, who's really funny, actually. <laughs> and um, I know um, Child's Play is for me just like a really tidy little thriller. Um, and what is it about for me? Uh, it's about a little character, really. I think that's what's about for Andrew as well. I think he's just like <laughs> like this little fella, yeah. little rascalian, <laughs> little rascal. Yeah. Uh, but but actually as well, like it's got um it's got a tight little story, you know, like like nonsense kind of um a day do a dambala stuff. Uh, <laughs> it's threaded quite well throughout. Like I didn't expect there to be like quite as much um like sorry, I obviously didn't when I was five, but like you would not expect there to be like such a nicely woven little storyline, which I know they sort of abandon a bit as it goes on throughout, but uh, as in throughout the series of films, which we won't be talking about. Um, <laughs> Never. But yeah. <laughs> but like, it, it, yeah, it is worth noting that was one of the things that um, Holland added to the script. Like, again, as Mancini said, the original pitch was the doll comes alive and it's it's Andy's id basically acting. And Holland was like, no, 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 that's far too unlikable. So we need to add A, a serial killer um, and B, uh, find a way to justify getting him into the doll. Yeah. And uh, obviously it's John Lafia, who's the other screenwriter who goes on to direct Child's Play 2. Mm. His original pitch was that, OK, so how does it get into the doll? It gets into the doll via electricity. There's a there's a prisoner being executed. He's a serial killer. And when they yeah. fry him, his like soul travels through electricity and it gets into one of these dolls on the assembly line in the factory. And that's how it comes alive. And Holland was like, no, that's a really stupid idea. Wait, hear me out here. Uh, voodoo. That is my answer to this question. <laughs> what if we create a serial killer? That is what the Simpsons did, though, with the Treehouse of Horror. Oh, he, wa- he, wa- he was electrocuted, wasn't he? 
Um, well, that was the hell to pay, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, but but it, but it wasn't transferred into um, a doll. It was it was it was uh, it was, it was it, I I guess just transferred to his toupee. Well, well, to his hair, which was then transferred it, to his toupee. Was it the electric chair <laughs> that did that it. transferred it to his hair, or did his hair <laughs> just always have like his DNA <laughs> malevolence in it? it yes, his soul. <laughs> I, I love that we've turned this into a hell to pay podcast. Uh, I mean, like there was something in pop culture at that time. This around the same time that Craven did Shocker, right, with Mitch Pileggi. That would have been around the oh, same yeah. as well, which is another. Yeah. Uh, like serial killer is electrocuted and there are consequences movie as well. Basically the idea was that, yeah, so it was, it was, uh, Holland who came up with, uh, yeah. So he transfers his soul into the doll via voodoo because that gives him like a character motivation that gives the character stakes. So now we know what he wants, which is to get out of that, this little doll body. Um, and we know how he's going to do it. He's going to use voodoo. Not not before he's like raised hell. (laughs) Crucially. True. Yes. Uh, but I also like that you see him, like he's obviously looking for any person that he could put it into and then he's like practically dead and he's like, oh, cool, a doll. And then I'll just figure it out when I'm a doll. <laughs> it's, it's what I thought the movie was going to be about was about uh, Charlie Ray finding someone. But no, it's not. He's <laughs> like, someone, please, I need to find someone. And um, It was about that for like one second. Yeah, it was about that for one second. <laughs> and he just found it in an object. like, object. oh, there. What the, the object. Why um, didn't I think of this before? <laughs> I'm really glad I put myself in the doll and not like in the little race car. That little exactly. race car. This is a really big Smith. Yeah. yeah. He's a very resourceful guy, though. He would have made that work. Yeah. In fairness to Charles Lee Ray, <laughs> he gets shit done. Well, again, like part of me admires that this is a movie that doesn't ever like stop to think too much about what's going on. It just kind of goes with it. Where like mm-hmm. Charles Lee Ray is apparently like a strangling serial killer who has like been caught on a stakeout. And again, we'll, we'll maybe talk about this when we talk about the later Chucky stuff. Like there's interesting residue of like what the series would become, which is this very, very, very consciously queer uh, kind of like horror franchise as it goes on. Mm. Uh, but we're not going to talk about that. But um, so like here, the original pitch was going to be, and if you watch the opening scene, you can see it's kind of incredible. I didn't notice until I started reading up on it, but it was originally going to open with Norris, like with Lee kind of, or Charlie or Chucky stalking a victim down an alleyway, grabbing them and starting to throttle them. And it would turn out to be Norris in drag. He had like dressed up as a woman wandering around the streets to catch this random like lakeside strangler just by coincidence and happens to find him. And then they end up in a gunfight that takes them to a toy store. But if you watch the opening shot of this movie, you can see that Norris like takes off a dress and throws it down the side of an alleyway. And as he phones in his radio, he's wearing like a woman's scarf around his neck. It's kind of interesting Mm -hmm. that like literally the first shot of the Chucky franchise is this man in drag kind of shedding um, these costumes, these accruements. I wonder why they cut it. Apparently the rumor is time. Um, The suggestion is a lot of stuff was cut from this movie for time. Um, Where like Holland's original cut of the movie was two hours long and they screened it for test audiences and it was like everybody hated it. And then... Okay, I I appreciate a short little Mm. proper 90 minute movie. So fair enough. Yeah. Still would have made it more like, I don't know, <laughs> the bit, there would have been a little bit more Brad Dourif in it, <laughs> but but in some ways I think it's good that we don't get much Brad Dourif as Charles E. Ray because then 
his character as Chucky is so cartoonish. Yeah. I can't picture a guy being like that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but that's it's true. better to discover that character as a doll almost rather than Yeah. Yeah. But like I love that the movie is like he's a serial killer. He's like and again I think he's named for is it Lee Harvey Oswald, Charles Manson and mm. uh various other kind of serial killers as well. But it's like he's he's also he's got a gun. He's got an accomplice in the car waiting for him. Um later on mm. there's a car chase sequence in which he tries to murder Norris in a speeding car that like careens <laughs> down the road. And then he like that murders is terrifying the idea of like uh, the castration. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Well I mean well again that that's one I don't of the want things. a knife to come up in my yeah <laughs> yeah well not not to spoil a future Chucky project which we're not never going to talk about um, I do like that they bring that back in the first season finale of the Chucky TV show like the first oh, yeah. season finale of Chucky like is literally mm. built around the premise of yeah but what if Chucky didn't miss like um, <laughs> that it's one of the great <laughs> I think is it like somebody's described it as getting stabbed in the ass by Chucky is how they describe like the, the climax of that for season of television. You have even like that sequence where he kills Ed, where he like, he turns like the stove, the pilot light off and just floods the place with gas. So you get this like wonderful shot of the house exploding. There- Again, 80s cinema is just fantastic. I wanted fantastic. to see the child being blown away from the house. <laughs> and he just being I- blown back. <clears throat> I, I can't was... believe we didn't get that shot. I was really <laughs> <laughs> rooting for that. Well, I, again, like Holland has been accused of um, bullying. And I kind of, I love that when Holland is asked about this, he's like, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. But he's been <laughs> accused of like bullying um, Alex Vincent to get that performance out of him. Like there's a moment late in the film where um, after he's in the institution and like when he realizes Chucky's come to kill him and he's like, let me out, let me out. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And the doctor just ignores him and he kind of like folds himself down on the ground and he kind of cries. Yeah. Um, that yeah. sequence, which is an incredible performance from a child actor. Um, I think like the New York Times said that he makes most method actors look like wimps. That was the New York <laughs> Times review of his performance. Uh, but it's been suggested that maybe Holland... Uh, pushed him quite hard to get that oh um, it does kind of look extremely genuine and no offense to him but like his dialogue acting isn't as good as his i'm really scared acting yeah um so it wouldn't surprise me to hear that he was a little bit bullied yeah there are possibly worth it possibly worth it he's still getting yeah. work out with this so yeah you know yeah. he is <laughs> i mean like yeah. kirshner says you know Holland was screaming at him and saying things that a production could be shut down for today. And it made him cry and it made him feel real. Holland, when he was asked about this, said, you know, you could say I bullied him. I don't know morally what the answer is, but if you don't get the goddamn thing, don't make scenes with kids. Um, (laughs) I do like that Alex Vincent, when they asked him, I was like, I I don't really have any dramatic memories of that. It's it's fine. I'm just glad that I was in the movie. What? It's all repressed. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) But yeah, like the the idea of like the voodoo transfer stuff, which I think Mancini said that like that wasn't anything he pitched and he just kind of got stuck with it. Okay. Like it's kind of remarkable. This movie that I didn't pitch, I get no credit for it. (laughs) (laughs) My my idea was very different and and i don't get credit for uh, for for writing it because i didn't <laughs> um, <laughs> no but Man- Man- no yeah but I, he, he obviously he takes over the series yeah, like it yeah. becomes his baby as it goes on and i just love that it's like 
He's like, yeah, but the voodoo stuff, like, which is arguably like core to Chucky. It's mm-hmm. like core to the character's arc for an extended no, period. No, yeah, no, obvi- obviously, they, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the, um, it, it is his baby. It is his thing. It is kind of like having it both ways in the sense of like, now I, I, this wasn't my plan for it. <laughs> All the bad stuff that was somebody else. Yeah, um, yeah. What I pitched was pure gold. Um, but no, I just I, I kind of love the idea that like that that voodoo stuff, which is like Chucky's like core essence and arc, which is like it's his motivation. Yeah, it's what motivates him as a character. It's what ties him to Andy. Yeah, and I think like Bren said, like the the child's play movies. Without getting to spoilers, we don't have to worry. We're not going to be talking about any more of them. Um, but like the child's play movies kind of break down into various sequences and series and kind of like subsets. And like the first three child's play movies are all anchored in that. Yeah. Like they're anchored in that connection that like Chucky has to Andy and it's the driving motivating force for those three films. Yeah. And I love that Mancini's like, uh, not me. Not what not I me. wanted. No. <laughs> not what I would have done. It's funny as well because like I, I think it's kind of a really good character thing for uh, for Charles because like he's not a spiritual guy, this guy. It's like he just met some lad and this lad was like, you know, telling him all about voodoo and he was like, oh cool this is this will be something i'll be able to use or something like you don't get in any sense like and and you know they go to great pains to make sure that he's told off about not having any respect for (laughs) these dark arts he's just like an abomination uh so i kind of like that as a like you know he kind of spent loads of time learning about this thing in the hope that someday it would be useful to him but also had no respect for it and didn't give a shit and is definitely not like a committed (laughs) spiritual person and it's maybe like paying the consequent like that's the thing it's like i love there's like an element of karmic justice to it where like this is an eternal punishment for like charles lee ray yeah this is like not some grand escape it's like a, a lifetime no. of eternal you want to live in a doll yeah. okay and it's because <laughs> he, as you said he half asked it it's because yeah. he was like this seems like it's a cool thing to know and do <laughs> i don't know how i'm gonna I, deal with it afterwards. i feel like he's trying to kind of demonstrate some ironic detachment and aside from like being an abomination against God, like it's the it's the detachment that kind of but that truly he is really into it. He's got the like the mural on his, oh, on on his the wall. wall. Yeah, he does actually. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's fair. And he does in fairness. Enthusiasm for like learning his lines and delivering the incantation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, that, that does make sense. Then he comes along and he's like, hey, I thought this stuff was a whole load of baloney. But I decorated and, my entire but apartment. But I still drew a mural on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I decorated my apartment from this stuff that I wasn't really sure about. And then as I was about to die, it was, <laughs> it, I didn't turn to God. <laughs> I, turned, I turned to the, that stuff. To Bella. To yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, that, that that's the thing about it where it's like, I don't want to give the movie too much credit for its handling of, like, a very sensitive ethnic topic in terms of, like, voodoo as a religion. Mm. But there is maybe something in there in the idea that, like, the actual voodoo practitioner is portrayed as this very normal, very chill guy who, like, just, like, lives in a normal apartment, makes tea and coffee, he's perfectly fine, and there's this, like, white guy who's just, like, dabbling in it, and is like, I'm gonna change my entire life so it's based around this thing that I don't really understand. Like, you're half expecting to reveal that, like, you know, Chucky has tattoos all over him of, like, foreign languages he can't understand. It's like, yeah, the tattoo artist told me it means hope. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's exactly the type of shit he would do. Yeah. Um, 
But okay, so in terms of, of Chucky as well, like, are, I want to ask Andrew, actually, because you, you mentioned, like, the idea of Chucky as, like, a little stinker. Um, yeah. How, how do he you feel? He shouldn't be. He should be a good toy. <laughs> like, he should be the child's friend. But, but To the end. But he's, yeah, but he's a terror. Well, he doesn't that... want hugs. He wants to kill people. It's funny. <laughs> That's why it's a horror movie, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of, like, balancing, like, comedy and horror... Okay. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Because that—that's the thing about these movies. Obviously, as they go on, they become kind of more comedic and kind of darker. How did this work for you in terms of like being a horror film, being a comedy, in terms of tone? So I'm not—I'm not like a huge um, horror fan or anything. I don't seek um, horror out. I liked the electrocution um with the kind of uh the, oh the doctor yeah the using the electroconvulsive therapy kind of to shock the doctor until his eyes uh turned red with blood thought it was fairly good there were a lot of really nasty kind of uh, leg slices because he's a small guy he's got the he tends to cut people <laughs> like in the achilles <laughs> tendon or like in in the hammies and and I'd imagine those um, they don't but they like- they look nasty and there's a lot of like d- good blood spurt kind of in 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 this when he gets shot like if you focus on the prop it maybe looks a bit crappy but just on on the squib yeah. I, I I did like the squib quite a bit where it's like it's a toy but it's got like this um uh, fleshy kind of blood filled heart inside that's just go. All, all all over the wall. Um, that you, was really satisfying. You mentioned the electroshock thing. Like again, yeah. one of the things that like Colin mentioned was the fact that like I think it was Ricky Ager who did the prop work or the like the, the the puppet work for this movie, and they're saying that like the puppet was the most unreliable thing in the world, where like it would randomly like start looking. It like the puppet would of its own volition break eye contact with the actors, which would make like the set <laughs> make filming incredibly difficult. And you have things like the the sequence where they have where he's jabbing the knife up underneath Chris Sarandon. Oh yeah, Sarandon was like the puppet kept breaking, so we had we did like seventy takes of that in a day. <laughs> and I was also as in the 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 puppet couldn't keep it together. Kept ruining takes. Yeah. <laughs> um, kept breaking. <laughs> just just laughing all the time. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, it was like a, just enjoying itself too much. Yeah. But no, it, like it kept jamming. And like, again, I can imagine filming that sequence where there's like, I know it's a dull blade because obviously it's, it's a movie. But it's like where that blade is coming up near various parts of your anatomy. You're like, no, I, I want to know that this thing is very precise and working before we start filming yeah. this scene. Yeah. Um, and the moment where <laughs> I think Holland singles out this one. The Maybe moment- Holland was also bullying uh, Saranda. Yeah. <laughs> like, can you please please not use an actual knife this time? It was Hol- Holland. I want you to cry on screen, Chris. And it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. well, ethically, was it dubious? I don't know. But if you're going to direct Chris Sarandon, <laughs> you got to do it this way. That's all I know. Um, but like- and Chucky's like, I'm not doing this. And then he does like a voodoo kind of thing to put his his spirit inside the Chucky doll, so he'll do the scene the way he wants. I mean, the, the you mentioned that moment with the like the electroconvulsion therapy. I think Holland mentions that it took twenty four takes, twenty four takes for the puppet to put its finger on the button. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> it just it kept missing. It kept coming up short. Wow. It, yeah. <laughs> um, and also, I do love that one of the other facts of is again because puppets are creepy. Uh, the skeleton 
of the puppy doll. Oh, wh- what about it grabbing the keys? I don't know how. I don't know individually <laughs> how many takes each shot took. Like, just... What was that? What, did, what was that thing that grabbed the keys? Because it's like a little doll's hand, but it, it's got like it, it, it's 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 got you know a, a, opposable fingers, and it's like. <laughs> That isn't. And there is a shot of a, the drawer being opened in the house, I yeah. think. And oh, you see, yeah. and the, the hands, I'm doing this, Listen, even though yeah, it's, it's, it's audio, but it's like every finger closes separately. Yeah. It's is very. It, is it the gas? Is it a gas? Maybe it's Might the gas. Tur- but, turning the gas with, knob. With the that, gas, I think his it. hand is already in position. I think that was one of right. the shots where they're like, oh, just okay. make it easy, just do yeah. it easy, just have his hand <laughs> in a position where we can slot it over the dial and turn it. Yeah, um, I was looking at it going, is that not when you would get a child and get them yeah. to wear like a little a flesh glove. rubbery glove yeah. thing and get them to do it? But maybe that would be too big. I, that's how I would have done it. Get a baby. <laughs> get a baby. Yeah. yeah. Get a baby to gas. turn on the gas yeah, oven. Yeah, the gas. Um, don't worry, the pilot light is definitely off. Definitely <laughs> off. We, we've got the same guy who's operating the Chucky Pocket to check. Um, <laughs> um, the... This is another thing I learned from um, uh, Wickorny and Russ. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned uh, Jaeger there. Kevin Jaeger married Catherine Hicks. Yeah, yeah, the lead actor. They, yeah, they met on this. Yeah, and she said they're still married. They, they are, are. Yeah, yeah. And they have a kid together and everything. And she said that like when she went when they made Child's Play two, she was first of all really frustrated she didn't get asked back, but she kept visiting the oh. set like dropping off I think lunches. That was that was. Oh, so I was still Why hanging. Did they ask her back. I believe she was originally meant to appear in the prologue where she was going to be sent to an institution, a psychiatric institution, because she was convinced right. that Chucky was real, which does make it seem like Norris maybe like Welshed a bit when it was like, so Norris can tell you he was real, and Norris like, I'd really rather not well, be sent to a I psychiatric mean, the, not, institution. Not to skip ahead, but the very like the very very end when um the 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 doll attacks uh, the partner Norris's partner and his line is like he goes what you know now do you believe me and he's like yeah but who's gonna believe me so it's kind of like I guess they're all they're all fucked <laughs> yeah <laughs> they all have to get attacked by a, a, a an arm in order <laughs> everyone in the world <laughs> we should note by the way that uh, Norris's partner uh, detective Jack Santos was actually played by Tommy Swerdlow who went on to become a credited screenwriter in his own right so he uh was responsible for writing Cool Runnings and Snow Dogs, so he has a bit of a niche. He was, I think, one of the first writers to work on Shrek. He invented the character of Donkey, but did not get any of those sweet, sweet residuals. And recently he also wrote Puss in Boots, uh, The Last Wish, which is kind of cool. Right. But the thing is that, yeah, so they, with the hands, they discovered the weird thing is the skeleton, again, it's all very Terminator. And in fact, they've cited like the end of Terminator as a major influence on the final act of this movie. And you can kind of see that. Yeah. But like the, they discovered that like the, the hand movement with the skeleton inside the rubber gloves, it kept like, like breaking. An animatronic skeleton? The animatronics, yeah. It kept on breaking through kept, the glove. They kept breaking through the glove. So they'd have to like swap the hands out like three or four times a day. There was a guy whose job it was on the Chucky set simply to have a bag full of Chucky hands so they could replace them at any <laughs> given moment. Um, wow. Apparently, yeah, the, the, the Chucky puppet was not not well loved. Um, on that this. was his job generally, though. And he'd go to other movies and be sent home. It's like, we don't yeah, need a bag of Chucky job. hands. <laughs> It's like, fine. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I found, I found it's like the... steel magnolias. <laughs> we have no requirement for those. I uh, found the one set in town that was that yeah. was perfectly suited for me. Um, there, were, there were five in the UK, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
in terms of in terms of other stuff about the movie, like I, I kind of watching it again, it really struck me that this is this is it's not exactly RoboCop. Like it's not no, it's not like a, a biting satire. I will but say there are though, satirical elements to it. There are they, and and on the this is not exactly RoboCop. We've already had an obligatory RoboCop reference, a gratuitous RoboCop reference, and an egregious RoboCop reference. I'm going to like have three more. <laughs> three uh, more. I don't know. <laughs> just to kind of like cover a sort of if 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 like which we're not we're not going to cover the other movies. But if we did, We'd we have won't have to do it each yeah. time. Yeah. Um, Chucky comes back from the dead. Um, like Jesus Christ. You like, know who like, else is Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like Robocop in the movie Robocop. Also, like in RoboCop 2, Chucky gets um, taken um, apart into pieces. Um, and like RoboCop 3, uh, Chucky gets set on fire. So the, the, hmm. it's just full of... Oh, he runs, the, he runs the entire table in exactly. terms of RoboCop yeah, film yeah. franchise. So the, it's just RoboCop references all over. Um, it's RoboCop references all the way down. <laughs> yeah. But like, I... I... <laughs> do like the movie as this kind of like commentary on like 80s american pop culture and this idea of like what the doll represents and why people are so afraid of the doll and why like why chucky in 1988 which i i find fascinating and it's this idea i think again it's it, we talked about it in the podcast before but all this kind of like intersecting stuff where you've got as we mentioned the deregulation of children's television so things are just being sold. I love that like Andy is always wearing Chucky. He's dressed like Chucky for most of the movie. Yeah. I love yeah. that like the first gift that his mother gets him is like a Chucky handyman set, which includes a hammer that is like <laughs> a, re- a real hammer. Like, it's enough to like bloody his aunt's eye before she's shoved out the window. Yeah. Um, but that that was real. I, I had a real little hammer when I was a kid too. Really? And you could hammer nails with it. Yeah. I, that wasn't far fetched. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But was it branded? Yeah. Like did it have a good It wasn't branded. No. No, it wasn't branded. But yeah, it was it was like a children's tool set and it had a screwdriver and hammer and chisel, I think. Brand. I think I had a chisel. I I, yeah. I had a tool set too like that. I remember I had a lathe and I could not figure out the point of it because like I, I think as a child, you don't have the strength to like shave wood with you, you using one of those. You know, you you know the yokes where you would kind of plane down like a piece of wood. That was yeah. that that was in the um like little kids said, and I would just go into the estate and find like pallets of wood and saw wood, <laughs> and that would be like my afternoon. Um, I feel like I had a very sheltered childhood then when I'm watching this and I'm like. They gave the kid a hammer. Why, why would you? I, I thought that was mental as well. Yeah, okay. All right, just <laughs> so. so we're clear. <laughs> so this is Brandon Andrew yeah. <laughs> wandering around with their DIY sets. But yeah, things like like the fact that Andy like looks like Chucky for most of the movie. The fact that he's watching a Chucky TV show. The fact that he is this latchkey kid who's kind of left on his own. Again, we mentioned like this thing that's very popular in seventies and eighties movies: the idea of single parent families and the fear that kind of comes with that. The karate Waste kid, a lot of ET. Food. What? Wastes a lot of food prepping. He do, he does when he's making breakfast. A lot yeah. of food waste. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree. Um, but like you have the idea of the mother. Like even when she's there, she's so exhausted from working that he has to make her breakfast and stuff. Mm. Uh, and I love again 
very 80s. On his birthday. It is his birthday, yes. He has yeah. to make her breakfast on his birthday. <laughs> and it's very 80s. Like, again... It- it's like, don't worry, I'll make it up to you. I have this the, this box. Guess what this is? Yeah. Jeez. Guess what this box in the shape of the thing I know you really <laughs> want, but I know I can't get you is. Like, there, there is a part of that that feels malicious, where yeah. it's like, if it's clothes, just wrap them in a bundle. But it's not the reveal. I'm like, that... was, it, was it just one tiny pair of jeans? Because that's all she puts out in the box. <laughs> it is. That is. It seems a... pretty empty other yeah. than the jeans, yeah. yeah. Bitch. <laughs> I, want, I want Andy to have the, like, ten minutes when he thinks it might be a good guy doll. That's what I want it's, for myself. It's not the disappointing <laughs> reveal that the child will remember all his life. It's the weeks of anticipation. <laughs> that's the real joy. Uh, <laughs> But like, and I love that. And again, very, this is, I know that like Bren and Andrew had their relating to being given like tool sets at an inappropriate age. <laughs> the moment I really related to was the moment where he had the cereal that looks like it was just pure sugar and then grabs three <laughs> more spoons of sugar and heaps them on top. <laughs> I was like, yep, yeah, that's a moment that I, as a child who grew up in the like 90s can relate to. Um, but yeah, yeah, things like the fact that I love that how Chucky kind of corrupts him is mostly like how 80s parents feared that their children were going to be corrupt. Like forget the whole like is Andy a murderer question that hangs over it, but it's like he gets the kid to swear uh, is the first thing yeah. he does. The kid turns on the television after bedtime. Mm. Then the kid skips school. I love that yeah. like Chucky is just this like really bad influence in the way that like 80s parents were terrified that like their mm. kids were going to be kind of influenced by we need we need families more like the waltons and less Le- like the simpsons yes that, <laughs> that's exactly what it feels it does that's feel like he's a little bart simpson he's a that's what um george bush said that was it? yeah george and it, it's it's funny because like an american president would love if families were like the simpsons now, <laughs> now yes yeah <laughs> very true <laughs> they go to church been- every weekend where it's like what one um one income is enough for like uh, this this large house in the suburbs. Um, families need to be less like less like the Sim- less like the South Park and more like the Simpsons. It needs to be a shifting yeah. goalpost. You know, you need to get to the point. Where like, <laughs> they need to be less like the Always Sunny gang and more like South Park. That's what we need. You just need this kind of like faded kind of shifting goal. That's like the Last of Us and more like the Simpsons. <laughs> That's a very fair point. Less like less, less like Jill and Ellie on The Last of Us and more like Bill and Frank on The Last of Us. That's what we're aspiring towards. Oh. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I kind of like, I, I think there is something interesting there in this kind of like as a snapshot of like 80s anxieties. The idea of like latchkey kids, kids left on their own, kids raised by television. And again, this idea mm. that the doll is like a substitute parent. Where the doll can yeah. do all the things that she can't do. Like, I want to be hugged. Hug me. And he carries it everywhere. He takes the doll to school. And there's yeah. a number of children taking a doll to school. But they didn't get the the the, the, the cool, like, the, the new um, model. Which is a, a serial killer strangler as well. <laughs> it's like, can you, can, does, your, does your one swear? It's like, no. <laughs> and they go home and they're like, mom. <laughs> My doll can't swear. <laughs> My doll didn't push any any of our relatives, our beloved relatives, out of the window. He must be broken, and then the doll's like, <laughs> "Fuck you." <laughs> I, I I think Bren mentioned at that moment that reveal where she's like, "I will throw you in the fire." Yes. At which point he would inappropriately smoke, I guess. But like that moment where he goes, "Yeah, you know," that where he's just like, "That's the moment where he breaks character." Yeah, which I love, and he does it's so good. <laughs> he's kind of like. 
I know like it's it's not you kind of know it's coming or you assume it's going to come at some point but like it just it just really goes for it yeah like i think his first so... words are like you fucking bitch i'll teach you to mess with me <laughs> yeah. you guys are all sorts of things i love that that's the introduction of chucky the, the, the all character is just yeah. brilliant and it's yeah. like he's been keeping in this rage because he's tr- been trying to be good or something <laughs> Let's scar down, and it's just like the most horrible barrage of like misogynistic insults you can imagine. Horrible, it will shock nobody to discover that like Chucky, uh, when Chucky became a Universal monster, which we'll talk about next week, he did feature at like the Universal parks, like Thirty Nights of Terror or what, Ten Nights of Terror, or whatever they do for Halloween, and mm. he used to run Chucky's Insult Emporium. Until I think <laughs> you can you, you know where this story is going. I think in 2008 they had to cancel Chucky's Insult Emporium after he referred to two 13 year old girls as whores and sluts. Um, they're like, okay, we got to <laughs> got to read the room. Yeah, we got it wrong this time. <laughs> yeah. Are young people or- allowed to go to the horror nights? I thought they were <laughs> these, really scary. These two these, these young girls were neither whores nor sluts. you've been correct every single time up until now (laughs) the past 10 years Chucky has never gotten this wrong yeah you're losing it (laughs) we can't have you make any more mistakes yes that's what that's what the third season of Chucky is it's him like doing hacks in the style of Gene Smart where he has to go on tour and reconnect with his he's like insult comedy he's like oh you got me (laughs) (laughs) I I am a filthy slut (laughs) um to me. <laughs> Sorry. But uh, Charlene, is there anything else you want to talk about with regards to Chucky? Anything we haven't talked about already with Child's Play? Um, no. Um, sorry, no. That's it. I have nothing in the in the front of my brain that I feel like I need to uh, talk about. But I probably think of something when someone else starts to talk. <laughs> Bren, what about yourself? Have you got anything jumping out at you that we haven't? Um, I I don't think we've mentioned the score yet, which is mm. instantly iconic. Really bone chilling kind of that. I, I don't even know what instrument it is. What is making that little twangy sound? I don't know. I do yeah. not know. Anyone know? No idea. I don't know music, but uh, I love it. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. And um, when when it swells for the t- the title um, at the start, it just, uh, yeah, it just feels right. It's so good. Yeah. it's It's got that spooky child's toy kind of vibe to it, but mm. also... Yeah, it's cool. I really like that. Um, another, another, one of my favorite scenes is the babysitter murder where she is hit with the the hammer that kids had back in the day. <laughs> all, <laughs> all kids, yeah, all cool, all cool all kids, kids, all the cool kids. I want to. I'm not sure if this was clear. It was for kids what I had. My my parents didn't just give me a tool set and say, "Have at it." Yeah. <laughs> this brand is time to learn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I also this was a had child's a, tool a kids set. tool set, and it wasn't plastic. Yeah. No, no, well, no that hammer is definitely metal. not plastic. It was, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Um, I, anyway, when, <laughs> sorry, sorry, go on. No, I feel. Oh, I, I, feel I, f- I feel like um, the the physics of Chucky is that he's like a a toy, like the size of a toy, but the proportional strength of uh, sorry not proportional the actual strength of an actual like grown ass man right 
It would have to be, it wouldn't it? It has to be, yeah. I feel like you don't ask be. questions. I feel like it's one of those things yeah. that you don't question. <laughs> yeah. Even though in a lot of the wide shots, when you do see a wide shot of the puppet, he doesn't seem too steady on his feet. Like, <laughs> his arms, it's just kind of always kind of waving, you know? He doesn't and that seem took that steady. And takes. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but but going back to that scene when the babysitter falls out that window, I think that's just one of the coolest shots ever. I, I'm guessing it's a stunt double. Um, yes, they they tried to convince uh, the actor to do that. They tried to convince <laughs> yeah. Adina Mano to do that, and she was like, mm. "Okay, I'll watch the stunt person do it, and if it looks safe, I'll do it." And apparently, the stunt yeah. person like pulled their shoulder out doing it, and she was like, "Nope, not doing it." Chance of that happening again? Yeah, it's an amazing fall, and the camera follows her, and and then the, the glass, which I presume was added in post, but it's very convincing. The shattered glass falling down with her. It, it there's one big chunk closer to the camera it looks so cool yeah. it could be sugar glass probably but yeah 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 maybe it was sugar, sugar glass that might make more sense it just looked it was yeah. so perfect looking that i kind of presumed it was added in post but it was probably just a, a happy accident but yeah it's such a cool little shot uh, we should mention by the way the soundtrack was done by joe renzetti who is an oscar winner actually for best adaptation score apparently which is an oscar oh. that they used to give he won for the buddy holly story uh he would go on to score poltergeist 3 child's play Frankenhooker, hooker, basket case, oh. and Sorry, basket Frank, case. Frankenhooker, Frankenhooker. Yeah, Frankenlotter film. Yeah, it's um, great. And basket case three, the progeny. He did not do basket. Oh, he did do basket case two. Apologies. Okay. He did all the basket cases. Also, also Frankenlotter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he has a niche. He found a niche. He gave us a lot. <laughs> he gave us a lot. Yeah. He also played the guitar on "Let's Twist Again," the song oh. "Let's Twist oh. Again," which is interesting. Wow. What a right. career that was. Handed his like first Oscar. Last summer. Handed his first Oscar by Dean Martin. Oh. And then went on to score uh Child's Play. So quite the career. Quite a career. Um, An old school Hollywood guy. <laughs> it's kind of interesting how that cut again, this is the eighties, so you're reaching the end of that stage, the guys who were around in that point in time. Yeah. I like the decision to shoot a lot of this from Chucky's point of view. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm well aware that was a practical decision based on the fact the puppet did not work. Um, but I do, <laughs> Holland, I think, has cited Jaws as a huge influence on this, obviously. Makes sense. But where, like, a lot of it is shot from the perspective of Chucky. And I think Bren mentioned it where, like, this is one of my few problems with this movie. I like this movie a lot. But it is the the push and pull of the movie half-assing, like, is it Andy? Mm. Where, yeah. like, it does seem like, obviously, with hindsight, the franchise isn't called Andy. Like, we know, yeah. we know that, like, Charles Lee Ray is in Chucky. And he wouldn't have the prologue if he wasn't. Mm-hmm. But it does feel like the movie kind of half asses the like 25 minutes where it's like, is it Andy? Is it Andy? And you're mm-hmm. like, no, I've seen the hand of the doll. I know yeah. it's not Andy. So why, why even bother? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why waste our time? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, that's fair. I wonder if did some people think that like going back to that Twilight Zone episode where talking Tina is you never see her move. Is Was it where audiences expected to think that maybe uh, Chucky was possessed but not as active and runny aroundy as he actually is <laughs> so <laughs> i know that's our real words but you know that that so that that impact when he does yeah. start screaming at the, the mother it's a, like a big shock because we we weren't sure how possessed mm. this doll was yeah. Yeah. was it annabelle or was it 
uh, Devil Doll from Trilogy of Terror? Was it that type of thing? Is it a little thing that runs around, or is it something that kind of suggests to other people to do bad things, or you know? And we should note, by the way, Andrew said like the big question is how strong is Chucky. I don't think that's the question at all. I think the real question is how fast is Chucky? Because like, because <laughs> yeah. his, his stride is quite Very small fast, if you look at the yeah. size of him. But the guy mm-hmm. gets around like he nobody. shouldn't have taken the lift. He should have taken the stairs. Yeah, he should just thrown himself <laughs> over the edge of the yeah. stairs. Yeah, actually, yeah. Well, I mean, does his face break though? Like, <laughs> Well, that's a spoiler for the other Chucky movies that we're not going to talk about at all, uh, ever, under any circumstances. Um, one, one of the uh, the special features on the Blu-ray is um, commentary on the kill scenes with Brad Dorf in character as Chucky. Oh, yeah. oh. And, he, and he, talks, he talks in character about the difference between a human serial killer and then a, a doll serial killer, and how he uses size <laughs> on his sides. To his advantage, because oh, yeah, amazing. exactly. It's yeah, and and he gets into the logistics of like, right. So she's distracted by the phone call there, and I'm running over here, and it's like, and if I was my old size, I wouldn't be able to do that. She'd see me. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> is true. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he, he really breaks it down, and you, you start find yourself taking notes, and then you go, wait, I'm not a killer now. So. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the thing about hiring like the greatest actor to to be your like Chucky doll, mm. is that Brad Dourif would have had these thoughts and and made these notes <laughs> oh, about his character. Like Dorif is incredible. Again, like we've talked like some of the almost cast in the role which are kind of interesting is that oh, like yeah. John Lithgow was at one stage considered to play the role. Uh, he he'd have been really good. Like I'm I'm team team Dorif all the way. <laughs> but Lithgow would have done a really really good job, I think. I wonder though would Lithgow have stuck with the franchise as long as Dorif has? Like that's the thing I wonder no if, like way. although like, would you have thought that Dorif would have? Fair I point. wouldn't have. Yeah. I uh, I just think this, that's yeah. the funniest thing ever is that he's still sticking around and he's so, he yeah. seems just kind of like happy enough to just keep it going. But it's also, it's a handy number. He, <laughs> yeah. You know, he probably just got, has to go into a studio for a couple of hours sure, every few years. Bollocks off <laughs> he does, like, yeah, he, he nails really, it. He, he nails he it. He really does. And like, there's a lot to be said as it, as it continues, even with the TV series and everything. Like the acting that goes into making Chucky a thing is yeah. all of the joy. Like yeah. it is so good. So he cares a bit. <laughs> oh, he, he don't, like I mean, again, like there, there's. We'll talk about it when we get to like the later Chucky movies that involve. Well, we won't talk about it because we're not going to talk about the later Chucky movies. <laughs> um, but like, if if you if you did, when you get to the ones that involve like Fiona Dorf, which is his daughter, mm. and she's obviously more in front of the camera, and she is very much like a millennial, and she is much more comfortable doing like interviews and press than he is, mm. and the two of them tend to do a lot of press together because they're father and daughter. And it's really fascinating because you watch her and she's like, so when we were doing this, I was talking to dad about this. And he he let me know, like, the psychology of, he let me know the little thing about Chucky, the, what, the key nugget that he put a lot of thought into. And she'll go, tell him, dad. And it's like, I don't really want to. And it's like, you tell it. You, you tell the story. It's like, no, dad, it's your story. It's like, oh, no, I don't want to talk about the killer doll. It's like, okay. But- <laughs> I just want to be the killer doll. Here is the key to Chucky's psychology. Yeah, here's here's the key to the psychology of this killer doll that my dad has put a lot of effort into, but seems to feel slightly embarrassed articulating in front of a like public. Um, but like he does, he's he's. I think it's a really good performance. I think it's a phenomenal performance as Chucky, and I think it. And I think he's kind of he's changed it a lot over the years, and it's still like, but it still maintains the, a similar integrity. Uh, it still feels like the same character, but it's like. Um, Chucky has learned to grow as a 
doll, uh, but not in any positive ways. <laughs> he's embraced his he's embraced himself and he's confident in who he is. And that is a person who really loves killing. Yeah. So, well, it's kind of an amazing thing to watch I'm, over the course of like 30 years. It's an incredible thing as well, considering like how um, much he already has exploited it here. How much he's realised the the kind of opportunities that being this doll affords him in in <laughs> in in the line of killing. Like <laughs> Yeah. Well I mean to be fair, Straight Chucky does when he's making this movie, Chucky doesn't know that he's gonna be in it for thirty years. Like I gotta do it all at once. Mm-hmm. I can't be store keeping anything for the sequel. I've you know? always wanted to be a doll that could kill people. <laughs> he's he's a gleeful guy, yeah. I think. That's the thing. He's really enjoying himself all the time. Is he? I, I, that's the and thing. I mean, I mean Chucky, not Brad. Oh, no. <laughs> that, that's the thing I wonder about, like Chucky. Like, is Chucky like? There is a sense of Chucky being like a victim of his own thing, where he's kind of trapped. And I mean, again, I know this is more talking about like the sequels and stuff. But like, one of the key drivers of Child's Play is that like Chucky Charles wants to get out of the doll. Like he wants to not be Chucky anymore. He wants to not be this little plastic inanimate thing. He wants Don't to ever be a little say that Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to be this kind of he wants to be a living person again. Like a living, breathing person again. Yeah. And like I do wonder like again, that that secret that door of cracked that like his his daughter was like, that was the key to understanding the character. And it's like I have not did not I haven't put any thought into this. It's not something I think about very often. But it was that like Charles Lee Ray is afraid of oblivion. That's like the driving fear of Chucky. That's like Brad Dorf's like Rosetta Stone when it comes to playing the character. Yeah. And I do like that's the thing when it comes to Chucky enjoying himself versus being kind of a tragic figure. Yeah. I, I find that tension mm. interesting. I don't know. That is interesting. I'd never really thought it like that. So like he, he he wants to be a person, but like what he doesn't want is uh, any form of death because he's not yes, a spiritual yeah. guy. <laughs> he doesn't believe in an afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> we should mention, I, I guess people already know this, but like when they were, and again, this is one of the things where it's, you can kind of see the kernels of what Chucky the franchise would become. This kind of, again, very queer, very LGBTQ plus kind of very inclusive franchise where like one of the ideas they had early on was that Dorif would, would play um, the killer. He'd play Charlie, but he wouldn't play the Chucky voice. The Chucky voice would be something unique to the doll. Okay. And they ran through a number of potential candidates to play the role, including um, Jessica Walters. Oh, really? She record- <laughs> There's an entire voice track. Jessica Walter recorded an entire wow. voice track for the movie in character as Chucky uh, that <laughs> nobody has ever heard. And part of me wants <sighs> to part of me wants to see that version of the movie just as an alternate track, an alternate <sighs> cut. Um, because does it make sense that it's Charles Lee Ray's voice? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not really. Well, anyway, we, we don't really talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not picking holes. <laughs> I wonder, was there a point that we don't hear where it is Chucky but talking the same way the... Uh, oh, with the little adorable voice, but it's, it's yeah, saying yeah. terrible, terrible things. Mm. Like, do we think yeah. when it talks to Andy and like, I and love we how... we don't mess- hear it. Is we it don't saying, hear it, yeah. uh, that stupid But thing. then he is, he does be, like, Charles inhabits the doll more and more as it goes along. Yeah. Right. So I guess maybe it's a process. Mm. 
Yeah, well, I mean, we were saying this last night watching it. He starts to look a bit more like Brad Dorf. Yeah, mm. they start yeah. styling the hair in particular. Yeah, yeah. like and, and yeah. Mancini's like that was not something I would have chosen to do. That was all a Holland idea. <laughs> but like his hairline starts receding, which I oh, love. Yeah. terrific. Yeah. It's very yeah. funny. It's so <laughs> good. <laughs> I love how he looks. But the problem with that is it it kind of gets rid of one of Chucky's main like attributes is that he can't just pretend he's a regular doll <laughs> yeah. and he tries it in this film when it, he's in the elevator yeah. and um, and the woman's like oh what an ugly doll <laughs> but he wouldn't be able to get away with that but it's, it's something he relies on so much in the later films is that people just think i'm a regular yeah. doll and then it's like what is that now? <laughs> you know, it's got a, a widow's peak. That's a very strange looking doll. <laughs> to be fair, like, they, like again, not that we're ever going to talk about the later Chucky mm. films, but there are moments where, like, he applies makeup to make himself look like he's a mint condition good guy doll, oh, which yes. I quite like as well. Like, there's yeah. a moment where he, like, peels off, like, uh, like he, he does put his <laughs> face on at one point, which I really <laughs> love in the movie. Um, yeah. Great. And I kind of I, that moment. Apparently, that moment where the doll says "fuck you" to the lady after she after she says that's an ugly doll. <laughs> apparently, that was Dorif's suggestion. He was like, ah, "I feel, feel like feel like that's yeah. what the character would say in that." What would be the point of the scene if he didn't say "fuck you" to the lady? <laughs> <laughs> just 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 something completely lost. A moment completely. Lost. Like, Excuse me. So you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and the, I imagine the husband being like, "No, let, let, not again!" Like ushering her away. Yeah, not, <laughs> like, not, not again. We can't have another scandal like this. Yeah, let yeah. it go. Let yeah. it go. <laughs> and again, like you, you notice at various points, like the doll that they had got fairly beaten up. Like there's a moment when <laughs> say that again, <laughs> just a little bit. But like the no, I mean the actual the actual. <laughs> Andy beats the crap out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the police station. I love that where yeah. the police are like, oh, yeah. so Andy, what we just need to know is that you are a perfectly sane and level child who has no emotional <laughs> problems whatsoever. <laughs> and he's just like, talk, Chucky, talk. <laughs> Why did you lie to me, Chucky? Pound, pound, pound. <laughs> uh, I do love, uh, part of me wishes the police interrogation had gone on just a little bit longer. Where like the, the police officer, so so uh, why did you go to uh, Eddie's house and apartment? It's like, why did you go to the worst part of Chicago when you were skipping school to find a wanted felon? Um, feels like the cop was about to make a break. How do you know Eddie Caputo? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> tell, t- tell me how does Chucky know Eddie Caputo I think is an interesting question <laughs> yeah, to ask yeah, yeah. there were three people in that gang <laughs> there's the Ray Eddie Caputo and Andy here and Andy and Andy, yeah. Andy was the mastermind underneath it all and, and again like it's probably reading too much into it but coming back to the movie as somebody having watched the entire Chucky series like again recurring motifs that run through it this idea of institutionalization which I think is something that like Mancini has said is tied to Mancini's an openly gay man. Mm. And he's talked about how a lot of the Chucky series is him like finding a way to express that through the medium of horror movies. Cause obviously you have like the celluloid closet and they've there's always been kind of a queer subtext to horror cinema. Um, and he said that like things like say the recurring fixation on these environments that are very oppressive and very regimented. Um, so for example, the military school in Child's Play 3, for example, the, the convent in the second season of Chucky, for example, mm. and, and arguably even the institution here where, you know, um, Andy gets sent. Mm. Those all kind of maybe play to that a little bit as well, I think as well. And you could argue then yeah. things like the idea of, without getting into like the spoilers of the Chucky family tree, 
things like being trapped inside a body that is not your own. Yeah. That doesn't feel like it belongs to you, obviously play into that as well. But I find it interesting that while mm. I don't think anybody watching Child's Play in 1988 was like, this is going to be the queerest horror franchise ever. <laughs> no. But, <laughs> but, it's, but it's kind of fascinating. Really that, go there. Yep. It's fascinating that you go back and there are these elements that kind of fit from the beginning. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's about Andy making a friend who was sent from heaven by his father. Yes. That's my favorite thing actually in the, in that movie is just how Chucky on the spot came up with this fucking story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like he was sent down <laughs> from heaven to look after me. Like, oh, oh, Charles. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you could tell that like, there's a limit that like Charles reaches quite quickly. Cause like later on, Andy's like, he told me I couldn't tell anyone or he'd kill me. And it's like, it feels yeah. like, it feels like Charles, like patience with Andy ran out at a certain point. <laughs> This is why I really would like to hear the conversation yeah. between Charles and Andy. Yeah. Like, at what point is Andy just like, shut up, sorry, Charles, just like, I'll kill you. I will kill you. Because <laughs> I think, isn't that... I can picture him saying it. Like, I think there is some deleted material that explains that, like, why Andy went to, like, Eddie Caputo's apartment was because I think that, like, Ch- Ch- Chucky had sworn that it would allow him to talk to his dead dad. <laughs> <laughs> just like wonderfully wonderfully <laughs> evil <laughs> so evil <laughs> oh, no. alright is there anything else you want to talk about with regards to Child's Play anything that we haven't discussed or anything jumping out at anybody um, one thing actually that I, I thought of just there when we were talking about Eddie Caputo when we were watching it last night now I've seen this film a thousand times but um, I, I really enjoy how much time we spend like out and like looking around the city and Chicago is a particularly horrific looking city. In the, I've never been there. <laughs> like, but in this movie, I mean, like they just kind of, I like that there's sort of an economic uh, uh, factor to this. So like, you know, obviously single mother and like she has to work. And then there's the like depiction of the homeless area, which isn't great. But um, and then like the whole wasteland around where Eddie Caputo is. And I. It reminded me, and I said to Bren last night, it reminded me a bit of Candyman. So like that yes, idea yes. of like this this space, like visually reminded me a lot of Candyman. And I thought it was like deliberately showing a kind of very particular side of Chicago that I thought was interesting. And I mean, like it, again, like you, the Candyman comparisons, because Candyman comes out several years after this, but like then you mm. have like a blonde haired woman going to an apartment and discovering this kind of voodoo-esque mythology. Yeah, in that there. sequence is mm. really, really, really similar. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying like Candyman was ripping off Child's Play or anything, but it, it like it does feel the same. And it's it's yeah, I, I think there's something a bit to that. And if you're talking about institutions and things that Mancini is afraid of, then like the institution of poverty itself is, uh, is, is something that you could discuss. And I think that the, the time we spent outside of the house is I, I think it's really nicely shot. And I think it's it's I I like it miserable and rare for a slasher movie because again slasher movies well, usually yeah. take place at night at this point they're mostly taking place in suburbia um like mm. it's mostly suburban areas that are being menaced by this external thought there's again there's a whole bunch of, of writing on it by people far smarter uh, than i am on this but i think bernice murphy who's a guest in the podcast has written about this like the oh, idea yeah. that in the 70s oh. and 80s you have this menacing of like suburbia which is like again white flight and all this sort of stuff so the the slasher yeah. is the outside force coming into this community and kind of wreaking havoc and it's kind of interesting mm. that child's play 
most of it takes place during the day. Mm. And as you said, you have that juxt it isn't it isn't just the poverty, it's the juxtaposition of Andy with the where like he gets off the train with Chucky and he looks like he's wandered off some sort of like commercial for like children's like cereal or whatever, because he's dressed just like Chucky. Yeah. And he is the mm. only colour in that scene. Everything else is grey or black grey. or white with snow. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like he's wandering around with this like beautiful doll in like this mm. really impoverished like again wasteland yeah and it does feel again it's not i'm not comparing it to robocop i'm not saying it's like biting verhoeven-esque satire about where america was it does in feel the very Olympics. old detroit though yeah but but it's also even the juxtaposition of it where it's like you have this version of america that is nowhere near like i know that his mother goes out and interacts with the homeless men to buy the the doll obviously mm. but you you get a sense that she's otherwise she's never been part of that world like the moment where she goes to find the homeless man and norris is like don't go to that part of town and she's like why wouldn't i mm. what was like i have no understanding of like what this place is why why wouldn't i go there as opposed to anywhere else yeah um there is that sense of like seclu- it, i don't think it's a point of the movie's making but i do think it it's part of the wider themes of the movie the idea of like this secluded, almost like middle class kind of like she's scraping to get by, but at least she has a nice apartment mm. um, and at least she can provide for Andy. She's buying, I think, like it seems to be, are they hand-me-down clothes where it's just like take them up and she thinks they fit and stuff like that. They're not to measure. Yeah. Um, yeah. She but- got them from a, a, a back alley kind of jeans. With a shopping. That was another yeah. possible sequel. Yeah. Not jeans. <laughs> I can't take these jeans off. But yeah, and like I, I don't think you see poor people very often. It like, and, and as you say, like she's not the poorest of the poor. There's various strata there represented. But like, I always appreciate when you watch a movie and someone's like, "I can't afford it this month because you don't really see that that much." To be honest, in American movies, so um, it's something I appreciate about it. And particularly in the '80s when it's like Reagan's America and everything's prosperous, and like particularly when this is a movie about like yeah. consumerism and materialism to a certain extent. Yeah. And the idea that you have, like, again, not to get back to the toy stuff, but like you have this weird moral reckoning in American pop culture with like toys. And again, part of me thinks if I were playing pop culture psychologist and why wouldn't I? Because apparently that's what I do here. Um, (laughs) But like you have this idea of like single parents, uh, parents who are working, families where both parents are working, where children are being left unattended. And you have this idea of like buying a child's love through buying them gifts, getting them what they want. Like mm. that was one of the big things with the Cabbage Batch Kids where like a lot of what say the the coverage of that from opinion columnists was like, these are, why are these things so sought for and so desired? Why can't parents do what they did in the 70s with Star Wars, which is tell them that you'll just get the toys in March or you'll get the toys in April. Mm. Why Why do they need these toys now? And it's like, is there a sense of like guilt from a parent who isn't there? Yeah. Who feels like responsible and who wants to compensate for that materially by giving the child what they want and then the weird sense of guilt that comes from that where it's like but i got the child what they want but i'm not parenting them yeah so what moral value does that toy have Mm. like what do these things that these kids are playing with or watching while i'm not there if these kids are watching afternoon tv and they're watching mask or gi joe or whatever like what are they learning from these things that i'm not supervising and yeah i I think there's a whole thing and like the the, the fact that they go to great pains to make sure that Andy's not a brat, like he's not a brat. He he would like these toys and she is putting herself under so much pressure to get this, not because he's throwing a tantrum, but because she's she feels bad. She feels like 
sad. And then she's not there to deal with the consequences. If, if he had been a brat, it would have been easier to not get him the toys. <laughs> that is exactly. Fair. To yeah. be like, well, now you're not getting the toy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's because you misbehave. Phew. Yeah. <laughs> not because and- I can't afford it. I could totally afford it. Every, I, I'm not. I'm not poor. I'm I've just got, a temporary disadvantaged millionaire. I've got so much toy. <laughs> yes, you just oh, can't have any. Yeah, because you're a bad kid. Yeah. I mean, again, that's the that's the Kirschner, the David Kirshner thing, where it's like we need to root for this kid. Yeah, where it's like we, you need somebody who you can root for and be sympathetic for, and so Andy needs to be like a saint, basically. Yeah, and he's a sweet kid. Yeah, bad at cooking. But he's sweet kid. <laughs> I don't know. That mayonnaise, on, shit, but, yeah. <laughs> that mayonnaise on shit. That mayonnaise on toast. Is that mayonnaise or is it ice cream? Fair, fair point. Ice cream. I thought it was ice cream. I, I butter was I, just I, a I lot of butter. I thought of ice cream. <laughs> I think Americans anyway. do have weird butter that looks like ice cream. You could be right. Yeah. But I, I thought it was ice cream. Mm. Yeah. I, I do love that she's like, I'll eat it later. <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> and, and again like the way in which it's shot where it's like the milk is dripping all over the floor and stuff as well like again it's a very well shot very well made movie and like yeah it immediately lets you know that this isn't taking itself entirely seriously this is kind of a movie you can have fun with which is nice as well yeah all right uh bren is there anything else you want to talk about anything we haven't discussed already jumping out at you um no just just to go back to we were watching uh one of the featurettes on the blu-ray and i just pointed out that this was possibly the first time they did one of these, as in animatronics existed, but they're usually put on a guy in a costume for something like Labyrinth or something like that, or uh, Star Wars. But um, this was like the first time they they went all out and they were like, we're going to need a puppet that does this, that does this, that one for that, and, and then mix it up with uh, a little person wearing the costume or a child wearing the costume. It's... It's easy to forget how big a uh, a project this was. It, it was huge. And it was still the early days relatively of animatronics. And uh, yeah, overall, and, they and nailed it. It looks really, really good. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's aged really well, I think. Um, particularly the for some reason when he is all burnt near the end, in, when he just keeps coming back. Mm. I don't know why, but... Particularly that mouth animation yeah. really hits hits it uh, yeah. or something. He really, it's just perfect. The sink is perfect. His his mouth is, and the, what remains of his lips are moving really well. It's, it really sells it. Such good design as well. Mm. It's so horrible. <laughs> that's real Terminator stuff. Yeah, yeah. that is yeah. very right. like yeah. Terminator. Yeah. It's, there's yeah. nothing like a machine. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And, and Terminator, uh, sorry, Charles Play 2... Uh, from memory, it's been a while since I've watched it, but um, and we're not going to watch it again. Is, and, you know, oh, and we're never going to watch, gonna watch it again. again. <laughs> that really goes Terminator at the end. But sorry, that's that's a spoiler for another film and for for a podcast you're not going to record. So, <laughs> I mean, like this podcast would have to do phenomenally well. Like we'd have to like it would have to like instantly <laughs> right, generate right. a lot of attention for us to come back and do. Um, I mean, right. it just doesn't seem like something's going to happen. But Andrew, how are you feeling after your first uh, your first play date with Chucky? I enjoyed it a lot. I, 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 I thought it was terrific. Did not disappoint. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, then. So that then wraps things up. What we normally do at the end of the podcast is we ask our guests to recommend something. It could be something related to the movie, something unrelated to the movie, just something that brings you joy in these uncertain times. So to give Bren, to give Charlene a chance to think about it, I'm going to ask Andrew to go first. Um, uh, Charlene mentioned it. I'd, 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 I might recommend Candyman. I did think of it uh, when watching this movie. He's got a great Philip Glass score. 
and it 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 is genuinely kind of um, uh, frightening. But it, it and as a child, not being aware of not having seen any of these horror movies, Candyman was the thing I was most afraid of because I did even up till until the age of like thirteen or that. I wouldn't. Well, that's the, of, the urban I legend that, of repeating the name Candyman looking in a mirror. Exactly. Yeah, that that urban legend was so kind of pervasive. And that, like, I didn't um, know that it was related to a movie until I was in my teens. That's how much of a, an idiot oh, I was. I didn't know it was an urban legend. I thought it was just the movie. <laughs> I, I, I thought I thought it was something you could actually do. It was and like saying Bloody Mary and that sort of thing. That you would have right. to be like a really bad, crazy kid to do it. To to do that <laughs> in the mirror. I don't. I'm not even sure I would do it now. Why <laughs> would you invite that on yourself? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It is 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 tempting fate. So I I I'd recommend that. Also, have re- you seen the more recent one? Have you seen the Nia Da Costa film? I have not. Okay. It's good. I liked it a lot. I thought it was okay. really good. I'd recommend as well. Um, uh, with Gorley and Rust covers uh, these movies. I think it's in in Chucky we trust with Gucky and Rust is what they call it. <laughs> and um, yeah, they 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 also do like. The likes of the Alien franchise and um, Friday the Halloween, 13th. Friday Thirteenth, um, all that, all, all, all that kind of thing. And uh, there's a there's a song "Devil Doll" as well by Eben Schlatter and Paul F. Tompkins. If you like kind of um, novelty songs, <laughs> oh, I love novelty songs. <laughs> I'm all over that. There's a whole album of of of, of uh, um, Eben Schlatter kind of. With other kind of with like Los Angeles kind of alternative comedians doing like an album of uh, horror music. Um, oh, and Devil Doll as well. All right. And Bren, what would you recommend? What are you enjoying at the moment related or unrelated to the movie? Um, at the moment. No, this isn't something I'm enjoying at the moment, but it's something that came to mind when we were talking about other uh, dull horror films earlier. It's an 80s. Is it 80s? 80s maybe maybe early 90s Canadian horror film called Pin and it's about a what what would you call it an ana, like a, a medical anatomical type doll which someone uh has a strange relationship with um yeah not in a, very not careful in a, wording in a, in, in the <laughs> horror sense not in a, any other it's sense like, it's not like uh, talk yeah to it's her. no no but it's it's closer in uh, in in theme to something like magic the anthony hopkins uh dummy film that we were talking about earlier uh, and i think it's on shutter and uh, it's one of those underrated little horror films that you pop on and you're like oh that was amazing so check that out. Also, I would say check out Psycho 2, um, which I hope, now that I'm saying it, was also directed by uh, Tom Holland. It was indeed. Right? It was indeed. And that's, 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 a, that's another un- underrated little, no, not little, because it was the sequel to Psycho, so it was huge <laughs> at the time. Well, it but was written, sorry, it was written by Tom Holland. It was uh, written by Tom Holland. That's it. And uh, I think it's a good film. Yeah, it's great. Um, and I think it is pointed that like when um, Mancini brings back like the Psycho franchise in the Chucky TV show, he pointedly includes footage from Psycho Three. <laughs> yes, <laughs> not somebody who forgets his because practice. yes, Me- Meg Tilly is in that one. Yeah. I think is she? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> sister of Jennifer. Yeah. Um, all right then, and Charlene, what about yourself? What would you recommend? Um. 
I think this is probably on Shudder now, um, but a film called Skinamarink, Kyle Edward Ball's film that um, I saw in the Prince Charles Cinema in London and it is quite an experience but it actually when I was watching Child's Play last night I kept thinking about it because it's a little small it's child apartment, yeah. in this film yeah and um, but like it is it's something really different to anything I've ever seen in that it's got nothing really by way of plot or narrative but it's just like a weird waking nightmare that you're experiencing in a cinema so I would say if you're going to watch it at home um like turn off the lights and just like frighten the shit out of yourself. But it really, it's, it's really extraordinary. Like you could really hate it, but like I loved it and I was absolutely terrified for about three days after it because it was just like, you know, that that feeling when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're scared of something and maybe there's a shape in the corner and you're not sure, but you're kind of not awake enough to even think rationally. It's an hour and a half of that. So it's horrible. <laughs> oh, I'd like uh, going to really, five stars. Really, we'll really watch really again. scary. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know if I'd be ever able to watch it again, but it's really, really great. It's really beautifully made. Um, I've never seen anything like it and I'd recommend it for fans of uh, children being ter- terrorised. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Which obviously I am. <laughs> Uh, in terms of, of recommendations uh, for myself, I mean, Megan, I feel, is a movie that will come up at some point mm. if we were to talk My about God, it. God, I can't believe it hasn't so far. Yes. <laughs> um, Trigan. What? M. Trigan. M. Trigan. Uh, Model 3 Generative Android, isn't it? Um, something around those lines. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> um, which is great. Um, but yes, I do like that talking dolls or killer dolls are having a moment. Um, so yes, I, I had a really, really, really good time with that in the cinema. Uh, other stuff, very quickly, just uh, Brandon Cronenberg's Infinity Pool, which I think will be in Irish cinemas around the time that this is releasing, oh, which is well worth checking out. Oh, I uh, cannot wait. Yes. <laughs> uh, again, like I've liked all three of his films, like Antiviral, Possessor and this. I think, yeah, again... It's Alexander Sarsgaard um, being like a handsome man who is not afraid to get covered in fluids, um, which is like a real niche to have in Hollywood. It's like, I'm handsome and you can cover me in anything you want. And it's like, okay. Gunge. Uh, yeah. Gunge. <laughs> him well. Bloody, any, any bodily fluids that you can think of, um, it's it's there. Um, and then I also... Uh, gunge I'll, isn't a bodily fluid. No, you gunge is gunge, not a bodily fluid. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Keeping me honest. <laughs> and then uh, I watched also Crimes of the Future. Rewatched Crimes of the Future, which is Daddy Cronenberg's last film as well. Which it's is a mad, movie. mad thing, love, isn't it? Love that movie. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's yeah. like it, it's his version of like the Fablemans. That's what I've come away from. It's like <laughs> basically it's like so, David. Where do you get your ideas? And it's like, well, they they grow inside me in ways that I can't anticipate, and then I cut them out painfully and publicly as part of a spectacle, and then I want nothing more to do with them and it's like so uh you watch a lot of you read a lot you read a lot of newspapers uh um, watch a lot of watch a lot of other movies fellini farm um but yeah i, I really really i watched it's such an odd movie but it's so, so sure of itself yeah. which i kind of love and really great performances Stuart, i think is great in it oh i would have liked more of her yeah really yeah, we know. she was so weird. That was supposed <laughs> was to be so Sado. That was originally, like when he was going to make this oh. uh, years ago, it was supposed to be Sado. And then obviously Sado okay. ages into the Caprice part and uh, mm. then it's Stuart ends up getting cast and it's just great. Anyway, so that's my recommendations. All right, so where can we find you? Watch out, where are you up to? So Bren, where can we find you? If this mm-hmm. is one a bit more Bren in their lives, where are you at? Oh, um, I'm at Bren in Dublin on um, 
TikTok, if you like uh, random movie history stuff, I do that on TikTok, Brendan Dublin, um, and Twitter. Yeah. And I write for RT Culture and Entertainment as well, if you want to check out some of my articles and reviews. And I have a, uh, a now dormant podcast. <laughs> <laughs> on, yeah, it's, it's still there. So if you like out of date if horror like podcasts, out of date <laughs> horror podcasts, and uh, and you like Charlene Lydon, who is a regular <laughs> host, because not I was going to say because I I I'm married to her, but also because she's really good, as you know, to be to have as a host as that. a guest. She's really good on podcasts, as you, you guys well know. That's why she is on Smooth. a lot of my episodes Smooth. of my we horror like podcast. We're not married. Underyourbed.org is the name of that, anyway. <laughs> and it's very old. But. <laughs> um, all right, then. <laughs> I, I think I got out of that. Sorry, go on, <laughs> Yeah, Smooth recovery. Best recovery yeah, yeah. I have ever seen. Um, <laughs> where can we find you? What do you have? What do you have to? Um, I, I, you can find me at, at Charlene Lydon on Twitter. I don't really do an awful lot except retweet things about films. So, you know, probably great stuff about films. I do also have a podcast that I haven't done one for ages, uh, Cinema Book Club, which is read a book, watch the film, then uh, listen to me talk about it on a podcast with my friend Chelsea, which is also a physical thing that we do in the Lighthouse once a month, which is you know, come along and watch a movie and talk about it afterwards and read the book if you want. Do you know what's coming this month? This month is April. This month is April. So it will be, uh, <laughs> I believe it's, we need to, no, it's it's Children of Men or we need to talk about Kevin, one or the other. I can't remember. One is okay. April, one is May. All right. So yeah. read both of those books. I mean, they're both up, yeah, right? Yeah. They're both really like delightful. <laughs> so we'll have, and then also we're going to do the right stuff in June. Ooh. And I feel it's very important to advertise very far in advance because people should know this and take the day off work the next day is that in July we're going to do Cats so you Wait, read what? the book of poems Cats like you're gonna, oh T.S. Eliot like yeah so we're going to read the book of poems and then watch that piece of garbage <laughs> movie and probably get drunk so I think everyone should come to that and there's a prize for the best dressed cat person Okay, so there you, go. you can start preparing now. Yes, get your tights ready and draw stripes on them or whatever it is you need to do. <laughs> All right, then. Um, you can follow the podcast at The250. We're on Stitcher on SoundCloud, wherever good podcasts are found. We're going to be back, uh, I think, in about two weeks. Like, the only thing I can see that would possibly cause us to come back would be if we were, like, people were to really listen to this immediately and we were to, like, have to quickly get back together and like record an episode on child I mean, if the people demanded it if yeah. the people demanded it yeah. they're not gonna but people aren't gonna I, I, don't, I don't see that happening so we're, we'll be back in two weeks I think Andrew and I'll probably be talking about I don't know Star Trek 4 I guess something like that something, about something like that, that. alright take care don't you guys bye. bye thanks guys see ya thanks so much guys